Can't wait to go either. The World Series is coming up in just three days. This is the final show before the World Series, and this show is called the Druff and Friends Show. I am Todd Dandruff with Tell Us. The song you just heard is called I Can't Wait to Go. It's by a frequent listener to this show, Seriously Serious, a very talented guy who's made so many song parodies about poker, and that's Actually, one of my favorite. It's three years old, actually. Some of the references there are a bit dated. But, uh, you know, I listen to that song, and it actually makes me more excited to go to the World Series. I'm not even kidding. I've heard others tell me the same thing. So I play it every year when it's uh, the show before the World Series is about to start, which is this show. As I said, it starts in three days. My first event is in four days. Maybe it starts in two days. I, I don't know. But the Colossus starts in three days. That, that's, that's all that really matters. So I think Brandon's playing uh, the day before that. Speaking of Brandon, if you listened last week to this show, you probably noticed that it was not 
very short or condensed. This show last week was a record eight hours and 16 minutes. Oh my goodness. I couldn't believe it that it was eight hours and 16 minutes, but it happened because we had so many different co-hosts on the show that uh, it, it just took a long time. And then Brandon came on and we talked about every topic under the sun. Many, many, many things we talked about were not on the agenda. And whenever we do a show like six or eight hours, I get worried. Like, <laughs> is it too long? But it's everyone seemed to like it. I don't think tonight will be eight hours, though, but you never know. If you asked me last week, is it going to be eight hours? I would have said no way. In fact, last week at this time, I thought I was going to have no co-host. We ended up having like six co-hosts, maybe even more. I lost count. All right, uh, since we're starting late, the free roll is in eight minutes, and it's a $100 free roll. $100. Good thing is you can register late, so if you can't get over there in eight minutes, you have until 8.05. But it's a $100 free roll thanks to... Slow Roll, Slow Roll, who I don't really know very well, but he's been very generous lately, and he sent this $100 in appreciation for the eight-hour show. He was one of the people who really liked it, and uh, I thank Slow Roll for that. The free roll is on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen. If you click on No Fraud Online Poker, you need a separate account to play on the Poker Room, but everything's free, even the play chips which you can get from me if you want them. You don't need them to enter the free roll. You need nothing but an account on there to enter the free roll. But to win the money, because there's real money to be awarded, which I will send you, to qualify for the free money, you have to either have a Poker, poker Fraud Alert Forum account dated 2012 or 2013, or... You need to email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and tell me how long you've been listening to the show. It has to be at least three weeks. And tell me from at least three different shows things that happened that are not in the official show description. If you do that and convince me you've been listening for at least three weeks, then I will give you permission now and forever to enter this free roll and win the free money. But you have to do it before the free roll starts. So do it very quickly since it starts in six minutes. Um, I guess I'll accept email up till the late registration ends at 8.05. But don't win it first and then ask me later to get the prize. I won't give it to you. I do this, of course, to prevent people from only playing the free roll and not caring about this site or this show. This money comes from the community. This week it was from Slow Roll. Other weeks we have it from other people. But we have at least 50 bucks every week, and I don't want that wasted on people who are leeching off our free roll. So that's why we do it in that way. Looking at the chat room right now, which you can go into if you're listening live, it's uh, chat at the top of the screen. Top center says chat. Just click on that and go in. You need a flash-enabled device, and you need a form account in good standing to get in there. But uh, you'll mainly be talking to other people listening to the show. I don't really read the chat room that much because it's too hard to read the chat room and do the show, especially when I'm doing it by myself, which I believe I will until 9 p.m. when Brandon will come on. Stay cold in the chat room. I'm reading it right now. He says, I love when Druff said, I'm going to call it in a minute, 45 fucking minutes later. I'm not sure what he's referring to, but that sounds like me. That sounds like me where I say I'm going to call someone in a minute. I think he's talking about Math. He also said he listened 
to 14 hours of this show in three days worth at work. That's uh, He split it up into three days. The 14 hours, I presume, were eight hours last week and six hours two weeks ago. Oh, he's saying I was going to end it and then kept going for 45. Yeah, that, that show just kept going on, and when it did end, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe the time. I wasn't even watching. It just flew by. I, I went to dinner with my parents a few days ago, and I told them about the eight-hour show. They couldn't believe it. They, they couldn't believe, one, that I would do an eight-hour show, and two, that anyone would want to listen to me for eight hours. Like My mom said, uh, you know, I, I love you so much, but I would not want to listen to you talk for eight hours. So, I, apparently you guys do, and I appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. If you want to email me, not email me, what am I thinking? If you want to text me. If you want to text me, the phone number is 775-372-8355. And that is also the, phone, the main phone number to the show, which is 775-FRAUD55. 775-372-8355. That's the main phone number to the show. You can text at any time, and I will read your text on the air unless you ask me not to at the beginning of the text. Or you can call that number. Just make sure to show your caller ID if you call it, or you won't get through. Alternately, we have the Mount Charleston line. You can't text this number. Because it's an old 70s rotary telephone that sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas. But you can call it. It will forward to the main line. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. And really, if you're going out to Vegas this summer, I encourage you to go visit Mount Charleston. It's about 45 minutes away by car. And it's like 30 degrees cooler than Las Vegas. And it's a totally different type of area. It looks nothing like Las Vegas at all. There's hiking there. It's pretty cool, actually. Good diversion from Las Vegas. It's a good date place, too. If you if you have a girl with you in Vegas and you want to take her somewhere that's not a casino and you want to take her somewhere outside that's not 105 degrees, that's a great place to go. It's a great place to go. And in fact, you'll, you'll be admired for your creativity, even by some Vegas locals. They, they don't even know it that well. Alrighty, so uh, those are the phone numbers of the show. And if you text me, I, I'll i read your text not only on the air, but I will respond to you after the show or before the show. You can text me anytime on that number, 775-372-8355. In fact, if you're around in Vegas during the World Series and you know on one of the days I'm playing, you want to text me and uh, come meet me, you can. I, I'm always happy to meet new people. I'm always like... Waiting for the day, though, that somebody shows up and seems friendly and then pulls out a gun and shoots me dead. But I I guess once that happens, I I won't have that long to think about it. (laughs) But seriously, you can come up and uh, say hello to me if you see me at the World Series. Don't be shy. I'm happy to meet new listeners. So the free roll is starting in one minute. $100. I forgot to tell you the prize pool. The prize pool is $50 for first, 25 for second, 15 for third, and fourth and fifth are each $5. That's the way the $100 breaks down. It's no limit hold'em. It starts in one minute. Let's see. <laughs> Someone's saying in chat, we're waiting for that day too. Well, 
you shouldn't wait for that day because if I get shot dead, that's the end of the show. In fact, if I get killed, not only will this show die, but the site will die too. It won't die immediately. The show will die immediately, but the site will kind of die a slow death without me there to run it because there's no one else with the admin controls here. So I, I've meant to designate a successor to run Poker Fraud Alert in case I die, but I never did. So I guess I guess someone will just have to start a new site to take over if uh, in the event of my untimely death. Here's the agenda tonight, and we're going to do it a bit out of order because Brandon's coming on. And what I've learned about Brandon, especially recently, since he's only an occasional contributor to the show these days, though the more the better, of course. Something I learned about Brandon is that he really enjoys the degenerate type of topics and he doesn't like the poker news serious topics that much. So if it's kind of just a, like a dry poker community topic, even if he knows about it, he really doesn't feel like talking about it. He will, but it doesn't excite him that much. That's when he goes off to get food and go to the bathroom and whatever other excuse du jour <laughs> that he pulls up to not talk about these things. So um, what we're going to do here, we're going to tailor this show around Brandon and his appearance at 9. I'm going to do the boring stuff at the beginning, and I'm going to keep the more gossipy, degenerate type stuff for the second half so we can best utilize Brandon. This way he won't get bored. <laughs> It'll also be good for those that listen to the show more for the serious stuff and also for those who listen for the non-serious stuff because what you can do is you can either just fast-forward in the archives to the later part of the show or you can turn it off till about 9 o'clock and come back. But here's the agenda, though I'll do this out of order. But here are the things we're going to talk about. Last week I mentioned that the WSOP Colossus event, which starts on May 29th, just three days from now, it was mysterious as to how many people had registered. I thought maybe a week later we would have clarification. But of course, this is the Rio, so we have no clarification. It still remains a mystery. Let's say you don't have a hotel room in Vegas and you want to play the Colossus. Well, I haven't priced around the city, but I did price the Rio, which is the most convenient place to stay if you want to play at the World Series. But it's not going to come cheap. It's not going to come cheap. If you don't already have a room at the Rio, you're going to pay a lot of money to stay there this weekend. This is, of course, the 2015 World Series of Poker. The World Series has existed since, I think, 1970. Either 70 or 71. I always forget which of the two it is. But it's existed for slightly longer than I've been alive. I was born in 72. Well, in 2004, it changed hands. It went from Binion's ownership to Harrah's ownership. Now, it took place at Binion's in 2004, but it was not owned anymore by Binion's in 2004. It was owned by Harris, and uh, then they moved it to the Rio in 2005, where it is now entering its 11th year. But Nolan Dalla wrote an interesting article that the 2004 World Series of Poker, which is one year before I played the World Series for the first time, was almost canceled. Yeah. He also revealed that Harris, which is now Caesar's, was not as smart as they appeared. I've been giving them too much credit for being geniuses to buy the World Series so cheap from Binion's, but it turned out that was kind of by accident. 
This is an interesting thing, and I haven't seen it reported anywhere else. Maybe because this is politically incorrect, but I even on 2 Plus 2, I hadn't seen it when I looked a few hours ago. But Vanessa Russo has apparently come out of the closet. And I really mean that. This is not like a joke. This is not a, a play on the fact that there's two famous Vanessas in poker. I'm not talking about Vanessa Selbst. I'm talking about Vanessa Russo, you know, the one who really looks like a girl. She is also apparently a lesbian now. And this was announced today in kind of a weird way on her Twitter. So I'm going to read the tweet to you. If you are impatient and uh, want to read the tweet yourself, you can go take a look at her Twitter, twitter.com slash Vanessa Russo. That's R-O-U-S-S-O. But yeah, apparently she's a lesbian and is in love with a girl. I shouldn't say a lesbian. She could be bi, too, but she's definitely into girls. I will give my thoughts on that. I'm going to wait till Brandon comes on to do this topic. He will get his thoughts. And uh, let me just say I'm not that surprised. Speaking of well-known females in poker, Amanda Leatherman, who really made a splash in 2006 in the poker community. She was never a poker player, but she was involved in the poker media and more importantly, was involved with many poker players and many strongly suspected that this was for money, that she would jump from one guy to the next, uh, depending upon who had more fame or money. So Amanda Leatherman is no longer really part of poker from what I've seen, but she's doing something different. She's now a morning drive time radio host of all things. And you might wonder, how did she get that job? (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of former poker people, actually, I guess current poker people who are in the mass media, you know, John Ro- John Robert Belland appeared on Survivor. He was the first poker player to be on Survivor. Uh, you also had Maria Ho and Tiffany Michelle appearing. I think it was on The Amazing Race. But we're going to have another poker player appearing on Survivor, and this player has been on this show before. When we get to that segment, I'm going to tell you who it is. It was not a guest host, but it was a guest we had on the show. They are going to be on Survivor. And it was a willing guest. It wasn't someone we just like called up. Well, I'm experiencing a bit of trouble after reporting a story last week on this show and on this forum regarding a Finnish poker player who died in Thailand. And the person reporting this guy's death was claiming that the one who died was a scammer and had scammed him. So I posted the story, and a relative of this poker player has been emailing me, and they are demanding that I take down the thread. I have to imagine 2 plus 2 is getting the same email. I haven't seen if they took it down or not. I have not taken down the thread. I'll tell you why, and I'll read you the email. Why not? But let's say you enter the main event, and it gets a big field of over 6,000 people. And let's say you make it to the final table, which, of course, is everyone's dream. Except maybe Mark Newhouse, who always seems to finish ninth. But you make the final table, and not only do you make the final table, but you 
Don't finish ninth, eighth, seventh, sixth, fifth, fourth, or third. You watch all those people fall out ahead of you, but you just missed the brass ring, and you finished second. Still not bad, right? You get some poker fame from it. You may get some sponsorships. And most important, you get a lot of money. In 2008, the second-place finisher received $5.8 million. Or did he? Apparently, he has seen very little of that money. How much has he seen? Apparently, he has seen... Zero point zero. Very strange story. Seven years later that Ivan Demidov, who finished second in 2008, claims he never saw a penny from that second place finish. I'll tell you how he claims it happened. In New Jersey, of course, we have legalized online poker and also legalized online casino gambling. While some of the sites are doing okay, WSOP.com and 888.com are struggling. In May, they posted their worst month ever. So we'll talk a bit about that. Party Poker had a WPT, World Poker Tour, skin. It was... You know, you'd play on party, but it was uh, a skin associated with the World Poker Tour. Amazingly, it failed. You would think the WBT brand would be huge, but no, it failed, and they're going to be shutting it down. But the bad thing, people are going to get screwed regarding their bonus points. I'll tell you what's happening with that. Finally, Boris. Boris was a site that spawned off of Neverwin Poker, where a lot of us kind of originated as far as poker forums go. A lot of the people on Poker Fraud Alert originally were on Neverwin Poker and kind of jumped from site to site. Neverwin Poker is still up, but it no longer has a forum. In fact, let's see what it has. Let's see uh, what Neverwin Poker has. If I go there. Neverwin Poker is a white screen. That's interesting. Anyway, uh, in January of 2009, there was a defection. A lot of the best users of Never Win Poker left because they were dissatisfied with the way Never Win Poker was being run. Most of the anger was directed at Brian Mikon. A little was directed at me, though later things kind of changed and they directed more of the anger towards me. But the original reason they left was more because of Mikon. Anyway, uh, Boris78.com was the site, and really it almost killed Neverwin Poker. And Neverwin Poker is really not the same after that happened, and then Neverwin Poker converted over to Donk Down, and uh, you know it, it got a little bit better, but it, it never quite matched what Neverwin Poker once was. Well, Boris Poker, what it became, it was Boris78.com, it became Boris Poker, eventually became a ghost town as well. They were also unhappy with the way that was run. So some of those people came over to Poker Fraud Alert when I put it up. Some went elsewhere. Some just stopped going to forums. But Boris has been a very dead site for the last few years. Well, now it's literally a dead site. You cannot reach it. But the main thing I wanted to tell you guys is that Boris78.com, the original site, they all left. 
I'm not too worried about people defecting to that anymore, even if it comes back up, because Boris78.com is now property of Poker Fraud Alert. Yep. I own Boris78.com. I've been waiting six and a half years to be able to say that, and I own it now. And it cost me a large sum of money, a very large sum of money. Wait till you hear how much I paid for it. If you go to Boris78.com right now at this moment, it'll be like an error page, but Later tonight, you'll see something that will link you to Poker Fraud Alert. Most of you people listening have no idea what I'm talking about, but the forum people know. And that's all that matters. That's the agenda tonight. Remember, Brandon is coming in about an hour, maybe even sooner. Uh, He has some family obligations tonight, and he said he will let me know when he's ready. So he said nine kind of conservatively, but who knows? He may appear earlier. And the show is always better with Brandon on here. So I'm always happy to have him there. Trying to arrange a last-minute radio guest, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I won't even tell you who it is until they agree to come on, which they may not. All right, so uh, let's take a look at the chat room and the text messages. Oh, Wow. <laughs> this is someone in the chat PMing that uh, they have an Amanda Leatherman connection. Yeah, definitely call in. That person who PM me, definitely call in when we do that segment. I'm interested to hear about that. So here's some texts I got. Uh, at uh, 7.09 p.m., when the show was nine minutes late already. We didn't start till 7.30. From the 561, they texted, you should change the time to 10 o'clock, then never start on time. Time equals joke. Show should start at 8 Eastern time, since most listeners are on the East Coast. No, I'm not starting at 5 o'clock here. And hey, there's a lot of East Coast bias in American media. ESPN has a huge East Coast bias. Most live television events are built around East Coast time where it's too early for the West Coast and they do it anyway because they don't want it to be too late for the East Coast. Everything seems to center around the East Coast in the media. Not this show. This show has a West Coast bias and always will. If you don't like it, too bad. Let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to separate the personal texts I get here from the wants to be read on the show. This is from a few days ago. Hey, Whittles, just finished listening to the eight-hour show. Loved it. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. That's from 901. Uh, the 586 area code. Uh, now, nah, I guess he was just proving that he's been listening so he can qualify for the free roll. Won't even bother to read that. From the 734 from uh, last week, halfway through your monster show, good stuff so far. So if you want to text me, 775-372-8355. This is from the 619. Just took my daughter, who is half Asian, out for a hamburger. It was $21. Economic racism. I'll probably tease out more crimes later. I have no idea what that means. I think he's trying to say when they saw his daughter was Asian, they charged more for the hamburger. (laughs) All righty. 
Hockey guy saying Dreff can't even start at 7 p.m. in the chat room. Four or more are saying if you don't like the time it starts, you can always move. That's my point. It's move to Las Vegas or L.A. Then it'll start earlier. In fact, move to Hawaii. If you're in Hawaii, the show will be starting at 4-something. Then you'll have plenty of time to listen. Four Dragons saying half the user base is from Detroit, so once again, Detroit gets shit on. We do have a lot of Detroit people. I, I felt weird going to Detroit last year for the first time in my life, and I did not meet anyone from the forum. Not a single person. And I, I mentioned this last year. I actually drove around with Benjamin and his mom in the areas of Detroit that were dilapidated. You know, those houses that have completely deteriorated and uh, just nobody lives in them. We drove around the ruins of Detroit, which a lot of people are scared to do. But I said, hey, why not? Why not? Why not take my three-year-old son out into a slum for disaster tourism? Why not? Actually, I, I researched this beforehand, and people said it was safe, so I did it. And then like two weeks after I did it, someone got murdered at one of the stops that we had been at. So, <laughs> by the old uh, Packard building, the Packard plant. There's uh, there's a murder there like two weeks after I was there. Anyway. Uh, forum Wars is saying you'll probably see members of the forum in those ruins of Detroit. <laughs> yeah, that's probably some of the people there. Probably some of the people there might be members of the site or listeners of this show. It doesn't take a lot. You can listen to this show as long as you have a computer or a smartphone. It seems like everybody has one of those two things these days, even if they don't have a lot of money to their name or even if they're homeless. I'm actually thinking of making the show even more accessible to the low-budget crowd. There's a service I can subscribe to that will allow people to listen to the show by calling a phone number. You just call up a phone number, you'll hear the show. It's a pain in the ass to set up, and I'm not sure it's worth the trouble. It sounds kind of cool, though. Like, you don't need an app. Just from any phone, you can call this number and listen to the show. Someone once asked me if they could just call in and listen, like call the main phone number of the show and just leave them on hold. And I like, I can do that, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. So I kind of like the idea of a call-in-to-listen phone number. And this way, like even Ken Scaler could listen to the show. He could call from a payphone. But I asked if there's interest in that, and people didn't really respond. The only response I got was, you should broadcast on Twitch. I'm not broadcasting on Twitch. Twitch is video. This show is audio. Now, I have to admit, I thought it was cool when I watched the Jetsons as a kid and saw them talking on those TV phones, which are equivalent to today's FaceTime. And I said, oh, when's that going to happen? When's that going to happen? When are we going to have like a TV phone? Well, we have them now. And to be honest, they're just not, not that cool. The only time I like talking on those phones is when I'm traveling or when a relative is traveling and we haven't seen each other in a while, and it's a nice thing to be able to talk face-to-face. But for regular phone calls, I would hate it. The beauty of the phone and the beauty of the radio is that I don't have to wear pants. I don't have to worry about how I look. I only have to care about how I sound. And something that's comfortable by talking on the radio is I don't have to worry about 
what expression I'm making or if I'm picking my nose or if I'm doing something else that's weird. Like it, it doesn't matter because you can't see it. You can only hear me. So this allows me to not have to pay attention to that and concentrate more on doing a show. But you do it on Twitch and everyone's watching you. And I, I just kind of feel weird if someone's staring at me for all these hours and if I do something odd or do something that's embarrassing, they can see it. So no, we're not going to do Twitch. Like, what's the point? Do you really want to see me for all these hours? Is that really going to excite you too much? Just seeing me sitting in front of a computer with a headset on? Because that's what you'll see. Like, the 2 plus 2 poker cast, I know they're doing it. But it's really not very exciting. Where at least you get to listen to the show live and get to see everything happens before the editing, which is a little bit interesting, I guess. But this show doesn't have any editing. What you hear in the archives is the same that the live listeners hear. So you really don't gain that. So you, I, I'm not going to use Twitch. I'm just not going to do it. I don't see the point. So, if you want to message me, I get these PMs in the chat room. It really is better if you just text me. I happen to be looking at the chat room right now, but I'm often not. Hockey Guy says this show isn't interesting at all, Druff. Well, it's just beginning, it's just getting going. It's been half an hour in. Usually by half an hour in, we're not even done with the agenda. At least here we're done with the agenda. This show, usually the first 45 minutes to an hour is a waste of time. You might as well just like fast forward all of it. You know that. You know that hockey guy. You've been around. When has the first half hour ever been interesting? In fact, I, I think this is more interesting than the usual first half hour. I think I'm doing pretty well so far. All right, let's get going to the main topic. Oh, he wants me to announce the bounties. Well, what bounties? I, see, I, I can't read the chat room. I mean, I can, but I can't actively read the chat room. I see. He's putting a $6 bounty. I'm looking at the form. $6 bounty on beer and poker for not doing any radio shows recently because beer and poker does radio shows sometimes here too. And uh, $5 on Lou Father for also not doing radio shows and also because they're from Michigan apparently. And he feels that they're, quote, cunts. So he's putting on bounties on each of them. $6 on beer and poker, $5 on Lou Father in the free roll. Okay. Hockey, I can be happy now. We have a volunteer co-host. Saying I can co-host until Brandon gets on. I'm available. Sure, call in. 775-Fraud55. For the 209 or 202 said, what's the free roll payouts? It's a 50, 25, 15, 5, and 5. It's $100 free roll. He says, also put on some pants. I actually have them on right now, but at least I have the option to take them off if I want. That's the big thing. I, I don't want to feel compi- confined to my pants during the show. If I want to unzip my pants and sit there without them on, I can. And you won't know. You will not know. T-Buck27 says in the chat, Druff, talk about the WSOP Colossus. Rumor is that they're telling players they're sold out and only signing up people as alternates now. Yeah. Ah, jeez. See, this is what I meant. I'll go right into that topic. It's one of our main topics. Okay. The Colossus event. Is it sold out is the question. Is it sold out? Uh, I think highly unlikely. Uh, we have a caller here who's going to be the co-host for the next hour or so. Hello? 
Hey, Trap. Yeah, hi. So this, uh, this is Trader SHKY. He's very uh, generous with the free rolls. He's donated a lot of times and uh, done some other nice things to the site that I won't bother getting into. So uh, welcome to the show. And I, I don't think you've ever co-hosted here. No, first time. All right, very good. So um, are you playing the Colossus event? I'm not. You're not. But right? I'm going to play the. I think I'm going to play the uh, Millionaire Maker because I kept there on like the fifth. Yeah. Now you are you. You're more of a, a limit hold'em player like I am, right? Yeah, cash definitely, but tournaments. I don't think I've ever played a limit tournament. Oh, that's interesting. You should. You should. It's not, the transition is not that tough, especially if you understand general tournament strategy. I mean, I when I, when I first played my limit tournaments, I didn't even understand general tournament strategy, and that's what I did best. I should probably go back to forgetting what I have learned since then. But uh, okay, I might have an edge. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the Colossus. This is a, a gigantic mess before it's even started. Like Caesars has really outdone themselves this time. Usually, these events are a confusing mess as they're going on. But uh, to outdo themselves, to outdo their past fail, the Colossus is already a confusing mess days before it even starts. <laughs> I mentioned this last week, and it's just getting worse. Everyone is trying to figure out how many spots are left. Some are doing it out of curiosity because people are wondering, are they going to get to 20,000 people? How big is it going to be? And others are doing it for practical reasons because they want to be able to register. And a lot of people are not in Vegas yet to do it, myself included. So if you want to play it, it would be very disappointing to fly to Vegas or drive to Vegas and you get there and you cannot get in. Or you're stuck as an alternate or you're stuck going on one of those stupid flights starting on level 7 or 8. So people are very curious right now to find out what is the status. They had a lot of pre-registrants. We don't even know how many. And there's a lot of people that have come down and registered already who have either arrived in Vegas early for the World Series or people who live in Vegas. So you would think at this point, three days before the event starting, you would get a clear idea from the World Series, how many spots are open at the Colossus, how many people are registered for each starting flight. There's four starting flights, A, B, C, and D. There's two per day. You would think that they would publish this information so you can plan your schedule around that and to where you can know if you are in danger of running into a sold-out event. So, for example, if the flight you want to play is getting close to being sold out, maybe you'll come to Vegas a day earlier. But no. There is no information on this. There is absolutely no information. I shouldn't say that. There is information, but the information is all incorrect. This started about a week ago. I started hearing these different numbers. Someone messaged me. My friend went down to the Rio to register for the Colossus, and they found out that 14,000 people have already registered for it. I'm like, oh my God, 14,000 already? This last week. I said, well, did you hear this yourself or you heard it from a friend? No, I heard it from a friend. Well, go find out yourself. So that person said, okay, well, I'm going to go down there and register myself later. I'll find out. person comes back and messages me. Uh, yeah, it was actually 3,000. <laughs> that's a pretty big departure, 14,000 to 3,000. It's like, well, that's kind of odd. How could one cashier say 14,000 and the other say 3,000? 
since then, I've seen so many different numbers. I've seen 8,000, 7,000, 21,000. These are our current registrants. We're not, ha- we're not taking guesses of how many we're going to get overall. I'm talking about how many people currently are registered and paid for the Colossus event. We can't find out. Now, I had a discussion on Twitter with some people about this because I, I was getting frustrated. I said, why can't the World Series figure this out? And the initial answer about this made a little bit of sense, and that was that the pre-registrations, they're still processing the payments. People sent various forms of payment, but they had to fully process them, and until they fully processed them, uh, they were not able to say... Uh, Let's just take a call here. I was deciding if I should take this call, but I'll take it. They call were not from unknown caller. Yeah, I hate Six when it does this. I've tried so hard to stop that I can't stop that. Okay, call you around the air. Oh, hey, what's up, Josh? Um, I tweeted you um the other day about the uh, Colossus. How yeah. many registers were in? Yeah. And um, I went down to register at at the main cage at the Rio. When was and this? I was like, well, how many is left? And she's like, well, there's like 390. I'm like, what? There's like 390 <laughs> seats available? Like, I gave her a shock look, like, what? And uh, she's like, yeah, there's only 390 seats left. Yeah, I found out that was totally inaccurate. See, I'm about to get to what's going yeah, on here. With yeah, that. Like, it's crazy. So so I got into a conversation on Twitter with with Seth Polanski about this. As did others, but I was I was going. What's wrong here? Can't we just find out the truth? You guys have the stats. Just publish them, please. Put them somewhere, like on WSOP.com, so we can see how many are left for each flight. At least do this like once a day or something. And uh, I was told that they can't do that because they have to process the payments for the pre-registrations, and there's a big backlog with that, and they they're not done. And until they process the payments, they don't know if those payments are good or not. And if the payments aren't good, then they have to reopen those seats. I mean, it's fine, but at least say how many pre-registrations you got and how many full registrations are in there. So at least we have an idea of that. And then if more seats open up because people's payments don't work, then fine. But I have to imagine most of the payments will go through. Anyway, uh, this is what Seth. Right. This is what Seth Polanski had to say back. Uh, well, yeah, but I, I was like, I gave her like the shock look, like you're telling me there's only 42, you're telling me that there's 4,200 people already registered for, um, you know, 529 at 10 a.m., the first flight, and she's like, I'm showing only 300, so I had to write down all the uh, available um, seats available, you know, for every flight. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you why, I'll like, tell you why wow, it's wrong. Crazy. I'll tell you why it's wrong. This came from Seth Polanski himself. He said, I don't know where these numbers come from because they are bogus. We are still processing the pre-registration. Then he went on to say, the cage has no clue. That's where you went. You know, the cage re-register. The cage has no clue because they only see tables put in play absolutely meaningless. So this is Seth Polanski, who's the uh, VP of Communications of the World Series. And he's actually telling us that the cage, the people working at the cage at his own company have no clue. That's, that's pretty bad. Like, if I say they have no clue, then you say, okay, well, that's just uh, a critical person who's uh, a player. But here we have Seth Polanski <laughs> saying that the his fellow employees there who work at the cage have no clue. So anything yeah. the cage tells you, ignore. It, they, they have no clue. What right. happens is I guess it opens up new tables 
every time they get new registrants, like they, every time they get nine new people, they open another table. And I, or maybe they open more than that. Whatever it is, it keeps opening tables. So they look at how many open seats there are at the tables that have opened so far. And they see something like 390 and it sounds like it's almost sold out. When in reality, there's tons of tables that they can and will still open. And the system just has not opened them yet. So that's that's what Seth's trying to say, is that uh, if they try to give you a number of how many seats are left, it's totally meaningless, and you should ignore that. But that's not an excuse. The bottom line is they know how many tables they can open, and they, they probably know they're all going to fill at some point. Or if they don't, at least they know their capacity. So how come they can't say the following? Our capacity is this. We have this many registrations so far. Of this, these registrations, there are still this many pre-registrations that we haven't verified yet, so these seats may still open, but probably most of them won't. So this is what we have for each day. This is how much would be remaining for each day if each of these pre-registrations turned out to be valid. And there you go. Why can't they say that? It's not hard. Do it once a day on WSOP.com. Let us know. And then we can understand. Instead, it's shrouded in mystery, and then it's even becoming more confusing when people are giving bad information, Caesars, the company, has the worst communications between departments that I've ever seen. The left hand never knows what the right hand's doing. The left foot does not know what the right foot is doing. If Caesars was a person, then it would be tripping all over itself and it would be punching itself in the face. That, that's what you'd be right, seeing. Yeah, with, I mean, I tweeted to uh, you and Kev, Matt, and I was like, I felt real stupid at the end, you know, for giving the totals what the cage gave me, you know. Yeah, well, it's not and your I fault. Was like, <laughs> it's not your fault. So, I, this is but, not hard to do. In 2015, it's all computerized. I'd understand many years ago they have to manually count the people entering at a big event. It's hard. I understand that, but it's all computerized. You guys have a total. You know what your capacity is. Do simple subtraction that every eight-year-old learns how to do in school, in third-grade math class, and put it up on the website once a day. I don't get why they can't do this. And everyone is scratching their heads, wondering what the hell's going on. So, uh, sadly, I'm not going to know until I reach the cage, unless I hear credible reports from someone who tries to register and can't, I'm not going to know until I reach the cage whether I'm going to be in the event on the day I want. You know, I just won't know until I do it. And and then if they say no, I'll have to find out what my options are then. But it's possible that I won't play at all uh, because it'll be sold out and I won't have a way to know until I get there. So if it happens, it happens. You know, th- Fortunately, I'm not just coming for that. But if you are just coming for this event, I'd watch out. I would watch out. So are, are you... You're in Vegas right now, uh, presumably. Uh, are you yeah. fr- are you living in Vegas, or you just uh, traveled there? No, just on vacation. Okay. Well, at least you have your seat. Yeah, yeah. All right, very good. All right, well, I'll I'll listen to the show. All right, Thanks, thank Drop. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and Drop, I'm sure they're just trying to – they probably first – they're trying to probably get even numbers on all the levels. So they probably put in 50 tables for each one or whatever it is. Then they're trying to gauge where all the initial registrations come again. But I, I agree. They just clearly don't have an idea what they're doing and why they would have this the first event or one of the first events 
with all the brand new employees and everything else. That's a good point. I mean, have it in the middle so everything's warmed up and, you know, there's some flow and there can be some information. I mean, this thing's set up to be a disaster. It is. It is. I, I can only imagine, you know, a week from now, I will have already played this. And I can only imagine what stories I'm going to have to tell a week from now. It's it's going to be a disaster. I, I I can't tell you exactly what else is going to fail. Like like before this registration process started, like you go back a few weeks, I would have never guessed that the issues we're seeing right now were going to be issues. I I never thought that they would have trouble telling you how many people are registered and how many seats are open. I didn't think that was even possible for them, but it is. They Caesars always finds a way to fail, even if it's something simple that you think they cannot fail. They find a way to do it. So. Uh, this is not a good sign for the way it's going to go logistically, and I, I don't know what they were thinking. I, I always say that with them. I always say I don't know how they could have gone about it this way and, and thought that was the right thing. Didn't they think people are going to want to have an idea of the registrants? And, and why can't they change this on the fly? Why can't they figure this out somehow? It just seems like nobody cares. So we're all I in the dark. Yeah, they are probably overwhelmed. So, uh, by the way, speaking of the next radio show, in case you are going to feel like you missed me for a whole week, and in case you're jonesing to hear my opinion of the Colossus event, the good news is you'll be able to hear my opinion, probably, because the show is only in six days. It's on June 1st. At 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. It's a special time, special day, Monday, June 1st, unless I'm still in the Colossus event, which is possible, but you know, probably not likely by that point I'm still in it, but who knows? I could be. Hopefully I missed the show for that reason. Otherwise, I'll be here on June 1st telling you about all the fail that I witnessed at the Colossus. I, I think there's only a very small chance that I'll come on and say, wow, they shocked me. They did everything so well. It was... Uh, it was like a smoothly oiled machine. They had everything in place. They kept everything moving. They anticipated all the potential pitfalls. And wow, I could not imagine that they could have done this better. I have a feeling that's not going to be my commentary next week. But I guess we'll see. Oh, they're going to have they're going to have all these new dealers. First time they had to expand. By the time the players get there, they're going to be so steamed because they just waited in line for how, however many hours. They're going to be yelling at the dealers. It's going to be <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I do wonder if this is going to affect people and their mood and their play. If there's a lot of fail, I I wonder the lines for the people that just show up and try to register the day of. Like, what kind of line are they going to be standing on? Uh, I, I'm curious to see these things. The bathrooms. Can you imagine the breaks, what the bathrooms are going to look like? Oh, I know. And you can, again, I mean, you'd think they'd, you know, build up to it. So then you can foresee some of these problems. They're putting the biggest event in. There's going to be all these major problems, and they're going to have no chance to ramp up to something. But, yeah, it's going to be uh, – I won't be there, but it will be amusing. Looking forward to next week's show. <laughs> the – the World Series of Poker, since they moved it to the Rio, they're actually batting zero in bringing a new big field event and doing it right. They they have never brought in a new big field event without committing some major fails that inconvenience a lot of people. It's never happened. Every single time they screw something up or several things up big time. So 
I, I have a hard time believing that this one, which is going to dwarf all the others by far in the number of people entering, and the fact that they're squeezing two of these starting flights into one day, and the fact that they're going to be squeezing probably additional starting flights at later levels. I mean, I can only imagine what this is going to be like. And you're right. Why, why start this at the beginning when nobody is warmed up, when nobody's used to it, when you have all these new employees, when you have – they're just getting started – and it, it's kind of like it would kind of be like at the beginning of baseball season on opening day that you expect your pitcher to go all nine innings. So uh, this there's so many ways that this can go wrong, and it it's going to range from moderate fail to tremendous fail, and I don't know where it's going to fall there. So we will see. And it could be like the monster stack too, where the first day they actually do fairly well and then blow it the second day. So, well, yeah, and I mean, not to mention what they're doing to all the employees for the rest of the World Series. Just like you said with the pitcher, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, that's going <laughs> to happen. Everybody's going to be bitter. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Well. I'm. Uh, it's funny. I almost didn't play this. My dad said that to me. I was telling him about the Colossus event, and then I told him all the fail is likely to occur. And he said, "Okay, so why are you playing it?" <laughs> I didn't have a good answer to that. I just said, "Well, it's it's a novelty Content here." Content for the show. Content yeah, the show. <laughs> that's what I should have said. I, I got to play it just so I can go go bash it the next week on the radio show. But uh, yeah, I, it's really kind of for the novelty. To be honest, this is really just so. I can have the experience of playing in this gigantic clusterfuck, the the biggest field live tournament ever, which it's going to be for sure, and and watch Caesars, which is not known at all for its operational savvy, uh, try to handle this. I mean, this is going to be it, – it's almost like you see a train coming and it's about to just get in the most spectacular wreck. And you can either drive away and say, I don't want to look at this, or, or you can get a front row seat. I'm getting the front row seat. So we will see. I guess there's a small chance they will pleasantly surprise me, but from past experience, I would say no. And I have a feeling that the refugee camp look that the Rio had during the monster stack of last year will be nothing compared to this year. I think this year may look more like the Superdome during Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> By the way, Lou Father is uh, putting a $5 bounty on Hockey Guy in case he's uh, – I don't know if he announced this already, but there is one. So if you – I don't know if he's still in the tournament, but if he's still in there, then try to knock him out. Let's take a look at the chat room. Forum Wars copying from uh, Ty Stewart, the head of the World Series – Saying, uh, no, I will not collude on over-under prop bets for the World Series. But yes, approaching 10K three days before the event is pretty sick. So he's he's claiming it has about 10K right now, which is pretty uh, – that's a lot of people, but that's nowhere near sold out. I think they can do about 20 before they're going to start being sold out. But maybe, I, I don't know what their daily capacity is before they have to start going to these stupid flights where you miss levels. So – and drop when I'm sorry if you if you're repeating this, but if you if you do pre register, what is it like forty eight hours till you have to put the payment in, or is it just open ended whenever it gets there? I don't know. Starts yeah, I, I don't know because I didn't pre register. 
Um, you know, I, I'm going to tell a little story from my childhood and then relate it to the World Series pre-registration. In 1977, I was five years old, and my mom brought me over to her friend's house, and the friend had a daughter my age, and uh, we went swimming. This, this uh, friend had a pool, and after we got out of the pool, I was really hot. It was a hot day. I was hot from swimming, and I saw ice-cold apple juice out there on the table, and I thought, oh, that's what I want. That sounds perfect. It's actually apple juice with like ice floating in it. So I ran over and I grabbed the apple juice and I poured it down my throat and I spit it out as the grossest thing I ever tasted. It wasn't apple juice. It was iced tea. And I never had iced tea before. I was expecting apple juice. And instead I had iced tea. I was only five years old, but it was so disgusting. And I, I said, what is this? What's wrong with the apple juice? And they said, no, 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 that's iced tea. Ever since then... Whenever iced tea was offered to me, all I could do was think about how gross it was to me when I was expecting apple juice. Now, it's possible if that never happened, I would have gotten to like iced tea. But to this day, I will not touch iced tea and it grosses me out. And it really is because of when I was five years old and thought I was going to have apple juice on a hot day. Similarly, uh, now this is not quite the same because I didn't have it happen to me, but I considered pre-registering in 2007 for one of the big field events they had then. I didn't pre-register. Instead, I chose to show up at like four in the morning and uh, register then. And the day of, I showed up and saw a six-hour line to convert your pre-registration to regular registration. And they blamed it on a computer glitch and other crap, but six-hour line. Six-hour line to convert your pre-registration to registration. So I thought, oh, my God, I, I can't have that. I, I can't ever pre-register after seeing this because you were stuck. You had no recourse. So I thought about it this year. I thought, well, I can alleviate the fear of having Colossus sold out by just pre-registering. But then I thought of that six-hour line. And I thought, oh, well, I'm a seven stars. I can jump that line. No, I may not be able to. I, I looked at the information, and I saw nothing about a special line for seven stars. There's a special line for seven stars to register, but not to pre-register from what I can see. So I was afraid I would have to stand on the line with everyone else, and maybe it would be six hours or maybe even more, because this event's going to be huge compared to the one back in 07 that had the six-hour line. So I I got scared out of pre-registering from what I saw in 07, kind of like I've been scared to ever try iced tea ever since 1977. So um, maybe I made a mistake, maybe not. Uh, By the way, someone said in the chat room, Riley G says, you think there's a big flood right now in Texas? Wait until Colossus break times uh, and bathroom break. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is... I I can only imagine what the bathroom lines are going to look like. My suggestion is if you have a room at the Rio, get out as soon as break starts or maybe even a few, like a minute before. Stand up and walk briskly through the hallways to your room and go pee in your room. You'll, you'll thank me. That, that's what I'm going to do for sure. I'm, I'm not going to stand. I have a feeling if I uh, stand on the lines during the Colossus to go to the bathroom, I'll probably miss an entire level. So anyway, uh, this 
is a gigantic miss. We're in the dark. We know nothing. Riley G in the chat saying he actually pulled out of 5C. I wish I could take his spot. That's what I want is 5C. Four or more are saying, can you imagine if people just start pissing against the wall because Caesars completely fails in the bathroom? <laughs> that would actually be funny. Beer and Poker saying maybe you should wear Depends or bring a pee bottle. These are good suggestions. I, I have a post on Poker Fraud Alert in the, uh, in, in the poker community discussion section of things to bring to the World Series, but I did not mention bringing Depends or a pee bottle. But maybe, maybe you should. Maybe buy some adult diapers and just pee right in your seat. Maybe uh, bring a two-liter bottle with you. I don't know. Maybe those Gatorade bottles they sell for six bucks. Hmm. Five dollars in the chat room is suggesting Druff Depends. I come up with my own brand. Druff Depends. So, I mean, this is... We could run those instead of the hats this year. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any hats to give away. That's a, that's what I should have done. I should have bought a box of Depends. I guess I can still do it. There's a few days. I should I could buy a box of Depends and then stuff them in a backpack. In fact, by the way, the backpack that I bring to the World Series every year actually came from my co-host here. He gave me a backpack, and I still use it. So. No, we can get, yeah, we see, we, we have time to get logos from Project that I'm making you want, so. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I put uh, Poker Fraud Alert logos on the Depends. <laughs> I'm sure you can unload them at the seniors event. If they don't I think I could unload them at this event to 20 year olds. I mean, if you can't get to the bathroom, you can't get to the bathroom. Just say, hey, you know, don't worry about it. Just stay at your seat. Wow, it's a, a missed marketing opportunity here. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to learn a lot from this event. That's all I can say. I think there's going to be a lot they learn and apply next year. That's that's what they do. You know how I say I produced this show during the show? Uh, the Rio, they learn how to run the World Series during the World Series. Every new event, they learn how to properly run it during the first time they run it and apply it next time. Yeah, that's the perfect analogy. Like when you switched and started to do the show again. Let's have a million listeners on the first show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the server would freeze up and crash. I oh, don't worry about it. Uh, I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm, I'm sure it's. I don't have to make any changes. Uh, a million listeners coming. Okay, no. I'm, I'm sure the current setup will work. That's the way Rio approaches it. Yeah. Own Mattisau in the chat is saying may not be a bad idea to wear a depends just in case. Don't have to use it. That's a good point. Just because you wear a depends doesn't mean you have to pee in your pants. It means, uh, much like young children will wear like a pull-up to bed, even though they usually don't end up peeing in it. It's just in case they do, they don't end up peeing on the sheets. So it's similarly here. You can wear the Depends and then only pee in the Depends if you can't get in the bathroom. But if you can get in the bathroom, then you just treat the Depends like underwear. These are great ideas. I don't know why I I didn't think of these myself. So I, I guess the moral of this story is you stock up on Depends if you're going to play the Colossus event. Oh, boy. Can't believe it. You know that there's something wrong with the way that they're setting up the World Series if we're discussing wearing Depends at the biggest event they're going to have. And if you're under if you're under 50. 
could be their strategy to bring on the new, new sponsors. Yeah, so yeah, instead, of, instead of, of instead of uh, Jack Leak's beef jerky, it depends. That wouldn't be a bad idea. In fact, they have a Super Seniors event this year for 65 and over. Maybe they can tie that in with it. Wow. They're way ahead of us. They are. They are way ahead. Then maybe next year they can introduce what I said. They should have a Super Super Seniors for like 80 and over. Maybe what they can also start doing if they want to make even more money is have like a pre-seniors event where you have to be like 35 and over. And then... Have a pre pre seniors event the next year. He had to be like twenty five and over, and eventually have an event that's a pre 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 seniors event, open to everyone who is twenty one years old and a day or more. So the only people who can't play are those who turn twenty one on the day of the event. Those are some ideas for them to make more money because the seniors event that's fifty and up is just crazy. I've said that before, but it's so stupid. Does anybody consider themselves a senior when they're fifty? Yep, I just turned 48 and feel I'm way away from that. Yeah. I mean, it's depressing, in fact, to think that you're going to be a senior uh, so soon. I, I'm 43. In seven years, I will be able to play the seniors event. And the sad thing is I probably will. And the sad thing is it's going to work. Like, the, the marketing trick is going to work on me. I know what they're doing, and I'm going to walk right into it anyway. Hopefully they'll change the name by then to something else. Yeah, well, like, like everyone else, I think, oh, okay – Old, really old guys are bad at poker. I'm only 50, and I don't feel old at all. So I'm going to kick everyone's ass here, and I'm going to register, and it's going to be like me and eight other 50-year-olds at the table. And then I'll feel like a fool. So, all right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, the rates at the Rio. Uh, a lot of you have stayed at the Rio. If you haven't, you've probably heard descriptions of it. I actually think the Rio gets a worse rap than it deserves. It, it has its good and bad points as far as Rio the hotel. The good points of the Rio, number one, of course, it's very convenient for the World Series. Uh, number two, the room is pretty large. They say it's all suites. That's not really true. It's not all suites. It's just all big rooms. But as far as hotel rooms go, they're all pretty large which is nice. Uh, all the rooms have a refrigerator. They all have a safe. They're not awful rooms. They're not luxury rooms by any stretch of the imagination. But I can stay at the Rio without feeling disgusting, which I, I can't say for every Vegas property. So is it inferior to Caesar's Palace? Of course. Is it inferior to other nice Vegas properties? Of course. But it's kind of middle of the road, and it has some idiosyncrasies, you know, you'll sometimes see like random holes on the wall, like around the, when you walk through the hallway, you'll see other weird maintenance problems. Sometimes the elevator is missing buttons. Like you'll see weird rundown looking things like that, but it's not dirty. The room is big. It has everything you need there. So... It's not a terrible place to stay, and in fact, it's the best place to stay if you're going to play the World Series, just for convenience. But it's definitely not a luxury hotel by any means. And when you think of a place like the Rio, you think you want to pay something like $89 to stay there. That's kind of what you have in mind when you think of staying at a place like the Rio. You, you don't want to pay hundreds of dollars to stay there because it's not a hundreds of dollars a night hotel. It was like One time I was on a summer road trip with my family – 
and I planned on the final night of the road trip we were going to stay in Laughlin just because we happened to be passing that on the way back. And I went to look up hotel rates and I could not believe that every hotel in Laughlin was over $200. I was at seven stars then, but they couldn't get me in. They said, we just simply don't have room. It's, it's booked completely solid. You just can't get in. And the few properties remaining in Laughlin were over 200. And then I looked what they normally went for when it was not this event that was going on there that I had nothing to do with. And those same rooms were going for like $29. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get like a $29 hotel room for $200. And I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I actually stayed in a city near Laughlin and did something else, like kind of up in the mountains. So similarly, the Rio, the listed rates for Friday and Saturday night at the Rio for the cheapest room they have is... $249. But wait, there's more. It's not $249. It's $249 plus resort fee plus tax. By the time you pay that, you are out $306 per night, which means you will have to spend $612 just to stay at the Rio Friday and Saturday night of this week. Can you believe that? So, needless to say, if you don't have a room at the Rio yet, you're going to be paying through the nose to stay there. Now, there are, of course, other options in Vegas. I haven't priced the non-Caesars properties. Every single Caesars property is expensive, by the way. So, it's it's kind of a bad sign for uh, the general prices. Like, even like the Flamingo and uh, the, the Quad, they're all well over $200 as well. So, it's not just the Rio because that's where the tournament is. It's the Every Caesars property is expensive on those days. And I, I have a feeling that all of Las Vegas... In fact, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to produce the show during the show. I'm going to look up these dates on Trivago.com, who is not a sponsor of this show, but I'm going to give them a plug anyway. So I'm looking up on Trivago. Golden Nugget, $180 a night. MGM Grand, 257 Valley's 242 and of course these all have resort fees on top of them. Rio 249, Treasure Island 257, Venetian, they're a relative bargain at 214. I think it's on a shady site though called bookit.com. So I, I don't trust them. So it looks, it looks like $300 elsewhere. Uh 279 for Planet Hollywood, 277 for the Hard Rock, wow. Encore 699, Bellagio 374. New York, New York, 226. The crappy Excalibur is 219. Circus, Circus, 154. Jeez. Now, do you see the LVH on there drop? Because, you know, the LVH, which is formerly the Hilton, isn't that bad if you have a car. Because you can kind of just jump right on Desert, what is it, Desert Inn? Really? Is it not that bad? Because I... I read some terrible rev- well, re- terrible reviews of it in the past, recent past. Well, it's, it's decent, but as far as just getting to the to the venue, you know, if you, if you want something that's cheap, because really you could probably get something there for like fifty bucks or sixty bucks. And I mean, when I stayed there, my host I deal with moved to somewhere else, but you know, I'd always get comped, and you know, it's decent. 
All right. I can't find it on Trivago for some reason, but anyway, the whole city's expensive. The whole city's expensive. I know LVH is one of the cheaper ones, but uh, yeah, I mean, maybe stay there if you if you're having a hard time. He's like the Golden Nugget, one eighty. Like it's just there's you're not going to get a cheap room, and uh, the whole city has realized that. Everyone's there for the Colossus. It's amazing how this has affected the entire city. So if you're unfortunate enough to be traveling to Vegas that weekend, not related to the Colossus, boy, you're going to pay a lot of money. I actually, I know someone who is not a poker player, at least not a tournament player, and he was just going to come to Vegas. He's a seven-star. He was going to come to Vegas that weekend, and they said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, we can't even guarantee you a room that weekend. So he said, all right, never mind. Like They don't want to give the seven-stars the room that free room benefit because of that reason. They, they, they know they can sell it for so much they don't want to do it. I fortunately booked mine before they realized this, before they got as busy as they did. And I knew that was going to be the case, so I booked well in advance. From the 646 area code texted me, is Ken Scaler still alive? Yeah, he's still alive, but he's been avoiding me for the last week and a half. It's, whenever Ken Scaler owes me money, and he wants to spend it on something else, he avoids me. And he doesn't roll me. He always pays me back. But when he's not paying me back as fast as he said he would, and he knows I'm going to ask about it, then he just doesn't call me. And I can't call him because he doesn't have a phone. So I haven't heard from him in like a week and a half. So... Remember, if you're going to be coming to Vegas, it's too late now, but if you're going to be coming to Vegas next year for a high-profile event, always book way in advance because once the city realizes how busy it's going to be, everything gets expensive. So Nolan Dalla, who is a long-standing member of the poker community, he's more poker media now than he is a poker player, but he goes way back. He played poker in the old days. He's actually pretty friendly with Brandon, I think. Um, he occasionally will mention Poker Fraud Alert on his blog, by the way. He's not really a friend of the site or anything, but he'll mention it. Uh, he wrote an article about the 2004 World Series of Poker and how it was almost canceled. It almost did not come to exist because of the problems that Binion's, who owned the World Series at the time, was having. And I thought that was a really interesting article. I'm going to read you part of it here. So, and keep in mind, this was after Chris Moneymaker's victory in 2003. So, the poker boom was starting. In fact... I have to say, from all the years I played cash games, 2004, they were the easiest. That's, that's when I found the games to be the softest was 2004. So this is what he wrote. And keep in mind, there's going to be some language here, because Nolan Dalla likes to cuss even in his writing. He wrote, Binion's Horseshoe was a total fuckhouse. Sure, it was a great place to work when I was there, and I wouldn't trade those memories for the world, but not everyone saw it that way. By the time the doors were nailed shut and boarded over with plywood in January of 2004, more than 800 former employees were flushed out into the streets looking for work. This is because uh, Binion's was was, uh, forcefully shut down because they didn't have enough money on hand to pay off the the chips that they had there. So 
the gaming commission shut them down. That might not seem like a big deal. People lose jobs all the time. But the vast majority of former horseshoe workers had been around for years, like barnacles attached to a sunken ship. They weren't just part of the local scene, they were the scene. They had given their lives to the Binion family and that grand old building so embarrassingly out of touch with the times. Now here they were, mostly older people with retirement plans, now stripped away having to hustle to find a job. Being somewhere over the rainbow in years made things difficult. But then there was the additional baggage we each carried. One by one, we gradually came to realize how deep-rooted our outlaw reputations were within the casino industry. We weren't black sheep. We were we were child molesters. No one wanted anything to do with us. So he's saying, uh, for some reason, they had a bad rap for working for Binions. Nobody wanted to, re- to hire you anywhere else. Not great. I'm reading this, and it crashes. Thank you, Poker News. Okay, uh, being a former horseshoe employee was like wearing the scarlet letter. Most of the former employees I kept in touch with had serious difficulty finding work. After so much rejection, the explanation became painfully obvious. Why else were so many good people with multiple years of casino experience not getting hired anywhere else, especially on the Las Vegas Strip, which at the time was going through a boom period? As phone calls went unreturned and rejection letters piled up, Rather than tout one's experience as a laid-off horseshoe employee, some of my former associates began doing what was unthinkable. They left blank spaces on the resume. If some nosy interview and personnel personnel got curious and asked where they'd been working for the past three years, the applicant might as well have responded with, serving time. He's saying it was better to claim you were in jail than working at the horseshoe. It was pretty much the same thing. Being associated with a horseshoe was like getting out of a prison and looking for work while on parole. I was far luckier than most. In fact, I was probably the luckiest former horseshoe employee of them all. Call it the winter of WSOP discontent. Downtown downtown Las Vegas was already dying, and the downward spiral seemed irreversible. This was long before any new high-rise condos had been built, before any of the world-class symphony hall called the Smith Center opened, before Fremont Street expanded, before any major renovations of the casinos were done before the exciting youth-oriented culture of Zappos moved in. Downtown was a crime-ridden zone of low-end tourists and bad smells on its way to becoming a ghost town. When Harris Entertainment announced they'd taken over the property, the news came as a huge relief to just about everyone, most of all Las Vegas Mayor Oscar Goodman. By the way, he's wrong about Fremont Street. That was They had converted it to the Fremont Street experience before then. I remember that. The former mayor and mob lawyer before that was downtown Las Vegas' greatest champion and biggest cheerleader. Mayor Goodman rightfully deserves lots of credit for being the first visionary to make the dream possible. He helped organize a total renovation of the blighted urban zone that had once been the core center of the gambling universe. Now in the midst of his second turn of office, the Horseshoe Casino, one of the most recognizable institutions of Fremont Street, sat dark and empty. He and everyone else involved in the new downtown project realized that investment would be hard to come by as long as one of the most famous street blocks in the country looked like a deserted old tenement. So basically he's saying that they had uh, redone Fremont Street, but with a big centerpiece like Binion's closed, it was going to be, it was going to look very bad and no one was going to want to come there. Harris rode in with a white horse of new investment and enthusiasm. They seemed the perfect suitor. First, Harris was in a major acquisition mode at the time. They were snatching up everything and anything gaming-related, well on their way to becoming the world's largest casino company. Second, they had plenty of money to spend and resources to commit in order to refurbish the property. 
Third, Harris had a reputation of a stable company that didn't get in over its head. <laughs> I guess that was a reputation. It wasn't true. Uh, Harris properties largely catered to cater to middle class gamblers. Apparently, very good news for the World Series of Poker, which is the ultimate every man pursuit. Not everything that was reported at the time was accurate. Now, this is the most interesting part. There were erroneous reports stating that one of the main reasons that Harris wanted to buy Binions was to acquire the right to, to the World Series tournament. That simply is not true. Oh. I always praised them. I always said Harris were geniuses in this case because they bought Binions cheap and then got rights to the World Series, which they turned into a gold mine. But no. Nolan Dollar writes, according to my sources at the time, the World Series was an afterthought. For Harris, it was like buying a building and then finding out it comes with an attached garage. The WSOP was the garage. It had little or nothing to do with Harris making the deal. Wow. If that's true, Harris, like, they luck boxed into something huge. Can you imagine? They, they're just like, oh, yeah, Binion's downtown. Yeah, why not buy this shithole? That's a good investment. Oh, a World Series comes with it? Uh, all right. Crazy. I mean, when, right when I heard they bought it, I said, wow, that's genius. But it turns out they didn't realize their own genius. They just they, they lucked into it if what Dalla is writing is true. Of course, no one could have foreseen what was to come. No one knew or understood the real value of the annual tournament and the potential upside. No one could have possibly predicted how the tournament series would soon be worth far more than the building, which still stands and now goes by the name Binion's, even though it's no longer owned by Harris nor has anything to do with the Binion family. Because they, they sold it, by the way. They, they bought it, they took out the World Series, and they sold it. Because then they realized that the, the World Series is valuable. From its outward appearance, Binion's horseshoe may still be standing, but the spirit is long gone. It departed a long time ago. So, uh, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but basically, uh, he, he talks about how, after Harris bought it, they, uh, they put on the World Series and that, uh, yeah, otherwise it wasn't going to happen because Binion's closed in January. So, uh, they just barely got it going in time. Think about it. Imagine if Caesars went out of business, which I guess is not that hard to imagine anymore. If they went out of business in January, how bad that would look for the World Series that same year. But that's what happened to Binion. They, they were shut down in January of '04, and people thought the '04 World Series was just not going to happen. But Harris to the rescue came and bought it, and they ran it that year at Binion's, and then in '05 had its first year at the Rio. So if you want to read the rest of the article, go to PokerNews.com and you will see it there. Speaking of Poker News, uh, I, I was going to mention this at the end of the show, but I might as well mention now. I, I was talking before about how I bought Boris78.com. Boris being a former site that was part of our same community that spun off of Neverwin Poker where a lot of us originated. I started thinking about Hey, I should acquire other domains of defunct sites from this community. And I thought about Neverwin Poker. And if you go to neverwinpoker.com, you'll see a white screen. There's nothing on it at all. Right? I think we've been through this before. I think it's uh I think for certain people it comes up. 
on Chrome, it's a white screen. I think on a different browser it comes up, but it's pretty clear it's not really being used anymore. Or if it is, it's not generating them any kind of real revenue. I was thinking about asking Poker News. Yeah, it white screens for me on both my browsers. White screens on uh, Internet Explorer as well. So whatever it is, they definitely don't care about it anymore. It's owned by Poker News now. I wonder if I can talk Poker News, who I have a good relationship with now, into giving me NeverWinPoker.com. I'm not going to pay anything for it, but just wouldn't that be cool to have NeverWinPoker back? Have it just all come back to the beginning? A big time loop? I kind of want NeverWinPoker.com back. I just I got excited from buying Boris78.com. I, I want to buy NeverWinPoker.com now, but not, not for much money. But I, I've got to find the CEO of Poker News when he's in a good mood. He listens to the show sometimes. I've got to find him when he's in a good mood and see if he'll give this to me. Or give it to me extremely cheap. Because I'll do better with it than white screen it. So. It still looks like it white screens for me on Firefox too, but it looks like at the tab it still has the Donk Down logo or yeah, it, or something. Yeah, yeah, it still has the uh, the the Donkey logo. Yeah, what happened is it the Donkey logo was the logo of Never Win Poker, then it just got turned over to be the Donk Down logo. Donk Down, I don't think I'll ever get. I don't think Donk Down. That's probably gonna be the toughest one, toughest one to ever get. But uh, the other ones, I'm uh, I think it's just a waiting game till I can get all these. But I, I, maybe I, one of the Fed Fed auctions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe they'll seize Donk down and auction it off. Then I'll show up and buy it. There you go. Then I'll show up and you know, the the one problem with taking Donk down, even if the domain registration lapses, is that I actually signed a contract saying that I'm giving them my interest in it. So if I if I were to grab it, I would be cyber squatting. Whereas something like yeah, Bor- I, think, I think he's damaged that brand. Tried to cut shop. Beyond yeah, prepare, but never would be cool. Yeah, it's not even so much about the brand. I just kind of want to collect them. I, I really just kind of want to collect them, and then anyone who remembers any of these sites from the past that says, "Oh, I wonder what happened." And like they don't realize about Poker Fraud Alert. Like they go there, and then it's boom, end up here. Like it, it just like all sinks back into Poker Fraud Alert, and we're all back where we started in a way. So, like I'm not going to rebrand Poker Fraud Alert. I'll leave it the way it is. But I would love for these other sites to either redirect here or have some kind of little tribute page and then with a link over here. So it just, it's all owned by me and, and points everyone back to the same place where we came from. And that's, uh, that's what I hope to have one day, but, uh, it would be great to have never win poker myself. I, I got to talk to poker news about this. Now, they, they may say, Hey, we paid so much money for this. We're not giving away to you for free. <laughs> and I'd understand maybe that. Just, um, maybe for a year of banners or something, they do it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Maybe I can make some kind of uh, marketing agreement. I I got to decide what it's worth to me. There's definitely some nostalgia to it, uh, but at the same time, there's not a lot of practical use at this point because very few people think there's any content on Neverwin Poker anymore. I think very few people attempt to go to Neverwin Poker now and believe it's still there. You'd really have to have your head in a hole for the last several years because the forum went down there in '09 at the end of '09, so it's it's been Five and a half years. So that's a long time. Yep, there's probably a lot of SEO value. 
just of it being posted on forums and wherever else. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Why they won't want to give it to me, and and also because they paid a lot of money for it. So now they didn't pay me very much money. I, I got five thousand dollars from the whole thing, which sounds like a lot, but uh, uh, not compared to. Well, that's not really true. I, I also was given a, a revenue of of the new site once they took over. The, you know the. Poker News owned Neverwin Poker gave me a small percentage of the revenue until we left there. But yeah, uh, I'm not sure if they, if they thought of it at all, they'd at least have a Poker News banner there or something or have it forward directly to the site. Yeah, see, that's why I thought maybe they'll give it up because if, if it was anything of value to them, why would they white screen it? So I, I would love to have it back. Probably wouldn't do that much with it, but I'd love to have it back just just for nostalgia's sake. I think it it means nothing to everyone else except for this community. Uh, but but yeah, Donk Down that because I have a contract with them saying that uh, or with Mycon saying that I'm giving up my ownership. I could I couldn't just grab it. He could actually sue me and win it back if he wanted to. So that and I'm sure he would never give it to me or sell it to me. So that's probably gonna have to be in his hands forever. But uh, unless, as you said, it gets seized by the feds or something. But uh, as far as never win poker, since Poker News owns it, yeah, Four Dragons is saying in chat that the SEO is worth about two hundred dollars. I'll pay two hundred dollars to get that. That I will pay. <laughs> T Bug is asking, what about Dustin Wolf's blogs? He's pumped for the WSOP. He's referring to these blogs from Neverwin that were like years old that were up there. It was it was really a dilapidated site by the end. Uh, top top asking how many how much money did Tony G pay for NWP Neverwin Poker, one hundred fifty thousand. Um, let me think. They gave me, I believe, two and a half percent of the ongoing revenue, pro- provided that I continued to uh, participate. It was more for that part was really for continued participation. The five thousand dollars was what they just gave me kind of as a gift for uh, – they weren't buying it from me because they didn't own it. But they they gave me that as kind of like a gift for helping build it up like I did. And uh, and then Micon and Neverwin, they both got large portions of it, of uh, the revenue, plus they got money up front. I mean they – hundreds of thousands of dollars were spent on this overall. Now, it did generate a lot of money. Some months it was making $20,000 in affiliate revenue. So it was doing well for a while. But um, they realized that they really didn't need the forum to continue that. The forum helped it get relevant for Google, but they didn't need it to continue being there at that point. They had already had built that up. So then they got rid of the forum. It was more trouble than it was worth. They weren't really ready to own a controversial forum. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it made a lot of money for Micon and Neverwin and then Poker News I think they probably recovered their investment that's how much money was floating around in poker back then and uh, you know I, I was always a little bit bitter about it I, th- I see Brandon uh, is coming online by the way but uh, I was always a little bit bitter about it because and I, I hate saying things like this because I end up sounding like I'm being arrogant or I'm taking too much credit but I really was the reason that or part of the reason I shouldn't say the whole reason but I was part of the reason that Neverwin Poker Forum became what it did because it started out as a fan site for Neverwin 
and it was never meant to be like a a degenerate forum. It was never meant to be a forum, a free speech forum. That that was all my creation. That was all my doing, and I didn't even own it. I just I just brought that vibe to it. I brought that 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 whole activity there. And now the only other person who did something to bring traffic there was Neverwin himself, and he did it by just being Neverwin. He did it by just playing high stakes on poker stars and attracting attention to where people wanted to see who is this Neverwin guy. And then they came there and found the forum, and then they some of them found it amusing and they stayed. And that's that, that's how it went. So MyCon, um, other than physically putting up the site and other than starting these radio shows, uh, he didn't do that much aside from being a host on the radio show towards the end of Neverwin Poker. When, when the radio show got going on a regular basis. Uh, on, the, on the radio, he was valuable. He was, you know, it was a good show with all of us together. But uh, I was bothered that MyCon and Neverwin made so much money from Neverwin Poker when they sold to Poker News, and I had done really most of the work to bring it to what it was. And that's a fact. And I, I got something, but I didn't get very much. And I I had no legal case or anything. And they were also my friends then, so I was not going to like sue them or anything. But even if I wanted to sue them, I couldn't have because I didn't own anything. I did this all voluntarily. I, I basically worked for free, and that's that's what happened. And, and when they were selling to Poker News, I was angry about that and, and told them this. Oh, and the problem was they were both broke at the time. So I felt like a jerk when I had money and they were flat broke, and here was something that could enrich them again. And I felt like a jerk saying, no, you can't have all this. I'm going to take some, even though I don't own any of it. And I said, legally, I couldn't have done it, but I, I was considering quitting the site unless they gave me a better deal. But out of, uh, kind of almost like out of charity, I, I stayed. I, I definitely did not stay because I, I wanted the $5,000 plus 2.5% of what the revenue was every month. It was, it was nice to get, and I was, you know, I was happy to participate in the forum anyway. You know, uh, at least I was getting something for being there, whereas before I was getting nothing. But uh, it felt crappy that two people got paid huge for doing not that much, and I did a whole lot and got paid very little. So, <laughs> Fort Dragon saying instead they took it out on vowels. Um, Forum Wars found uh, an old post. He's he's good at he's like kind of like the Bukowski seventy two of of uh, the chat here. He said. Uh, he found an old thing I posted. Mycon and Dustin each received about 80k for selling their 31.5% of Neverwin Poker to Poker News. I could be wrong about this figure, but I believe it's fairly close to that. Um, that we're talking about the good stuff, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're that, done. We're done with uh, Pokerati Don and talking about Poker Spot and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I forgot how this even came up. I I think they I mean they definitely got more than that. When it was all said and done, the eighty I don't know what I was saying there, what you were quoting from. Uh, he was quoting something I wrote from 2012. I, I love it when I sometimes say something and forget I ever wrote it, and then, like, I have a question, and then, like, someone brings up my own post to answer me. But uh, apparently 2012 me knew more about this. Maybe I'm going senile, but, uh, but I, I do strongly remember that, and I can, I can probably reconstruct it if I really tried. I, I strongly remember that. Micon and Neverwin, when you add up the money they were paid and the – I think they got some kind of poker news stock and they got some uh, – they got the revenue every month. I, when it was all said and done, they got way more than 80K each. So um, he said there's a link to the post, but I see. Yeah, he, he found the post I made. 
Well, you know how much I got. Yeah, uh, I know you got uh, you got a fortune here. I, I have actually. Uh, yeah. the, I have the discussion of what uh, Tony G said you're going to be getting. Yeah, I remember. Zero point zero. Yeah, that was what Brandon was given. Brandon just always gets the shaft. He always gets the shaft. He gets. I mean, I, I was just complaining. I got the shaft. At least I got something. Brandon just. He always just uh, flatlines on these. He just gets nothing. <laughs> I mean, he just gets Jesus. he he just gets uh, completely left behind. It's amazing. Even when I have my own website, <laughs> that's right. You own your own got, website. You I still got screwed go, there too. You still get left behind. Just, I think it's just in the cards. I think I think when you were born, I, I think God Himself said, "This boy who will become a man, he will never make any money on any websites ever. He'll make money on other things, never websites." I'm going to make sure yeah. of that. I'm paying a ton of money. It's what was it, seven ninety nine for Bluehost? Yeah. That's what my server was on. It was yeah, it was four dollars ninety nine cents for a JSEP to play for Bluehost, and he was charging you guys a fortune. By the way, he texted me yesterday to indicate he had sent you some money. He did. I was going to mention this. JSEP has paid again. I believe we're over the thousand dollar market now. I think he's going to continue to pay. I, I think so. I think right now, this... in my conversations with him, I mean, albeit they've been very brief. Uh, he's indicated that he's in a good place in his life, like in terms of his relationship and his job, and he doesn't want uh, anyone from PFA to fuck it up. So as long as he still has that girl and still has that job, I I, I believe he'll continue to pay. I agree. He's gotten like in a routine now to where he's done it enough times to where it's definitely something he's decided he's going to keep doing and make a regular part of his life as long as his life stays the way it is right now. So, uh, by, by the way, people, uh, this, you probably just surprised people. I didn't announce him connecting you. I just like threw yeah. you on, and then just Brandon starts talking. So, uh, anyway, Brandon's here, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, but we have another co-host on here. Uh, unless did he hang up? Let me see. No, he's still here. Uh, Trader SHKY has done uh, a lot of nice things to the site, both behind the scenes and uh, Trader Trader Joe. Who? Pretty uh, Trader Joe, sure. Uh, Trader S H K Y. How do you Trader Ski? How do you say your name? I never even pronounced it. Trader Ski. Trader Ski. Okay. What's up, Brandon? Yeah, hey, what's up? Yeah, he's he's a nice guy. He's done, he's done a lot of nice things behind the scenes for the for the site, and he's also donated the free roll a number of times. And uh, yeah, what does he, he get paid per show? Uh, he's getting the same plan you're on, actually. Double <laughs> you. Yeah, you, he's making the same fortune you are. So. But uh, whenever people want to help Poker Fraud Alert out, I, like, I never know if they want credit or don't want credit. So I just uh, – unless it – like I, I don't even know how much they want said of what they're doing or what they're not doing. So I, I just usually say nothing unless it seems like they want uh, credit for it. So, But he's done a lot of nice things for the site, and uh, I appreciate that. So he, he offers well, – well, I, t- I tweeted earlier, but I'm going to probably have to cut it short tonight because I'm hopping on a – Red Eye to Asheville, North Carolina, right out of Vegas. <laughs> Here's some. There's some good job opportunities out there. There are. Well, let's let's move into it. So anyway, uh, Trader Ski, you you can stay on as long as you like. As as uh, yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, but Does he uh, talk about the serious stuff that I have no interest in. Um. Yeah. Yeah. We were, but uh, let's let's get to the stuff that's not so serious. This is a weird story. I don't know if you read about this. In 2008, the main event runner-up, Ivan yeah. Demidov. Uh, he won $5.8 million for... The guy that lost to Peter Eastgate, correct? Yeah, lost to Peter Eastgate. And uh, $5.8 million was his prize. This is seven years ago. You would think there's not much new to say about this, but uh, apparently there is. Uh, 
the story, according to Demidov himself, he never received a penny of that money. It's not weird. So, yeah. so, so, how could that happen? It's because who distributes the money? It's it's the Rio. It's not like you got to get it from uh, some shady party. So, what happened? At first, I thought we may have to do some tax thing. No, Jamie Gold got his money from the court system, actually. But, <laughs> yeah. but uh, this is uh, th- this is the report here. He claims it was an issue with his backer. So, this is what happened in two thousand seven. Uh, his backer paid for him to come to the World Series and play, and uh, and and he didn't do well. So so he thought that that it was done. That uh, he, I, I guess he lost one hundred fifty thousand dollars of the backer's money in two thousand seven, the year before he hit this big score uh, at the World Series and maybe some other tournaments. So. He thought that was it, and his uh, backer was not going to pay for him to come out from uh, from Russia again. It's LOL variants, right? Yeah, well, I guess That's it was LOL variants because the next year, in in, <laughs> in, in two thousand eight, uh, the backer called him and said, "Hey, I'd like to go out again. You know, you did so well for me last year, bricking everything. How how would you like to take another shot?" So he said, "All right, sure." So uh, he they, the backer said, "Do you still have your visa?" He said, "Well, I've had credit card issues in Europe." But uh, yeah. no, that's one of you have to admit that's one of the top five signatures. I love that signature. Yeah, it was referring to we're referring to a forum signature where uh, someone asked yeah. about uh, about getting a work visa in, in the UK, and uh, and Baron von Strucker said back uh, in reference to do you need a work visa? He said I've had issues with credit cards in Europe. <laughs> so anyway, he, he verified he still had his visa. And uh, he flew out for the 2008 World Series. And this World Series, he did okay. He cashed for 40k, but he entered a ton of events. So I don't know if he was up or down, but uh, yeah, it's probably kind of around even. Then the main event came, and he finished second. Now remember, it was a backer, so he was in a pretty uh, tight deal to where the backer was putting up all the money. But Demidov was only keeping 20%. It was a 20-80 deal. And he said it was really his only choice. If he said no, then he wouldn't get a backer. He couldn't come out for the World Series. So it was that or nothing. So basically, uh, he got 20%, which means he should have cashed for himself a little bit more than... One million dollars. Yeah. So it should have been about uh, 1.8... 1.1 something million dollars. Uh, and this is a perfect example, Jeff. You should tell all the kids of why you don't sell pieces of the main event. So you're just not a Demidoff. Right. That's why that's I don't. Why th- don't that's do why it. I don't do it. Yeah. You know, like when I cashed fifth in this uh, 5K limit two years ago, and I, if I won, I didn't mind paying out everybody. In fact, after not doing well in the previous events in previous years, and I you know, lost people's money who bought pieces of me, I was happy to see people get uh, some return to it. And, and that people who had bought pieces of me ended up profiting pretty well for that. So I, I didn't mind that. But I have to say that's about where my generosity ends. I am still Jewish. And I have to say if I sold 40% of myself for the main event and then I, I, I've managed to make the final table and then not be a new house and win it, uh, and I, I got $10 million and I had to give away $4 million of it I, I just, to, just to save 4000 in the entry fee, I would have – 
it would be so hard to forgive myself. I would have said, why? You couldn't I do the podcast. You'd have to take some time off. I, I probably would. I probably would. I, I, I'd probably have to do like a phony smile. Like, I'm so happy I made money for you guys. Like, oh, my God, $4 million I could have had. So, yeah, it's just too much money to – too much potential money to have to give away because I don't have to do it. I can afford to enter it. So, like, I, I hate risking that I have to hand over potentially millions if I, if I have some fluke great World Series – uh, versus hundreds of thousands. You finished though. It was the ninety first with the a- Ace a- Queen. Eighty eighth, yeah. Eighty eighth. It was no, the Ace Queen, wasn't no, it? No, no, it was, it was Queens. Queens versus the a- Ace, Ace, King. Ace King. King. Yeah. yeah. Standard race. Now, let me ask you. A friend of mine. I'm not. I, I, you know, I, I trust him. He's a very honorable person. Uh, he posts very randomly on PFA. He told me he bought a piece of you. Um, I think he said he bought one percent of your entire uh, little package. But more impressively, he told me he actually added on an additional amount of some change for you to eat with. Uh, do you know about this? He gave yeah, you some extra money for yeah, food vouchers. Yes, yes, someone, I, I was yeah, someone, yes, yeah, he did. He's yeah. actually a friend of mine. I, okay. I, I've met him many, many times. We talk all the time. Really good kid. Okay. But uh, he told me that. I wasn't sure. Yeah, he sent me extra money. Me. Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah. just, just use He's it. listening right now, by the okay. way. So give him a shout-out. He's a good no, guy. No, I appreciate that. That was nice. Great guy. So yeah. uh, anyway, at, at the – so so that's why I don't sell it. But you know, like, I'm happy to share the uh, – the, the bounty with people when, uh, when when it's something in the hundreds of thousands, but millions I can't do it. So that's what why. But, you, what percent did you sell for the limit hold'em that uh, you're going to crush this year? That everything was forty percent. So you have sixty percent of yourself in the limit hold'em. I have sixty percent in everything except the Colossus and the main event where I have a hundred. Now, what do you uh, what do you think? This is the first year in what, is it three years that it's back to ten k? No, no, it was ten k last year. Okay, and then then it reverted back last year. Then the years before that, it was, it was 5K. It was 5K for like yeah. So what, what would you just guess first place would be in that this year? I mean, just I know you know, but would it be a million, 800,000? What would what, you just What, guess? the 10K limit? Yeah. Oh, no, it won't be anywhere near that. It'll, it'll be... Uh, you don't think it'll be 800,000 even? No, 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 no. Okay, when, I, when it was 5K and I finished fifth, the first place was like two-something. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, way so what, what, what do you think in 200K or so then maybe? Well, no, first place would probably be your, you know, I don't know, three, something, four, something, I don't know, something like that. So, if, so if you have to hand out 160k, is that's, I mean, would that a little bit make you mad? I mean, I know you're happy because everyone's going to make money, but you're still a Jew at heart. You admitted it. I mean, would that? How do you feel about that? 160k is a lot of money. Well, obviously, if I could see it uh, coming in the future, I, I would, I would keep myself. But and I'm not saying doing you it. hit it. And you're like, fuck! I should never have sold. I mean, no, I'm not no, I, 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 I actually position. don't. I, I had to, th- I had to think about that when I got the fifth, and also when I was, you know, coming to the final day with with twelve left as the chip leader, I, I had to think about that. Like, am I happy I sold pieces all this time? And I said, yeah, you know, it's a, this is a. The, I, when I sell them, I, I'm fully aware that there's a large range of possibilities that can happen. I can just brick it all, and you guys all lose your money, or I, I could hit something big, and then I have to give away uh, a healthy percentage of my winnings. But I, I go in. With uh, at peace with myself that this is what I'm doing and I'm happy with doing it and that uh, yeah. I, I I don't I try not to be results oriented with that so and that's why I don't do the the main event because that one would be a lot harder to swallow uh, so, now, so let me ask you something uh, it's just an ethics question say that hypothetically uh, sometime in the future the minister of Bitcoin beats these trumped up charges or goes to a little day camp prison 
comes back, he makes a World Series final table. Would you tweet at the competitor that is the most <laughs> well-known at his final table that you don't even have a relationship and wish him good luck only because he's at the final table <laughs> yeah, against? Yeah, yeah, I might have to now. Yeah, he's referring yeah. to the Ronnie Barda tweet that I mean, uh, telling him to crush tell it. Tell people about that. That's awful. He doesn't yeah, even know the guy. Yeah, it's, I mean, they, they knew each other a little bit. Uh, not but, really. But they're they, not they, friends. They, they, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so – yeah, he he tweeted to Ronnie Barda to take it down uh, just because he was at my final table, basically saying uh, – it, it was a coded way of saying that I should lose. Fuck you, Druff. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, going back to Demidov here, he how could this possibly happen? Because your backer can't show up to the cage and say, okay, I'll take this guy's money, please. I'm his backer. The, the World Series is say, get the hell out of here. We, you, know, you have no right to this. Uh, only the player has the right – to show up and collect the money, and then what he does with it from that point is his business. So, that, that unless was, there's a court injunction preventing them from, yeah, the right, right. So, so th- what's so weird is that uh, Demidov says that he got none of it, and that his backer got all the money, and he will not explain further. He, he's uh, that was it. He will not explain how that happened. He did say that, quote, "I'm not broke." But it's not like I'm set for life. I have problems with my backer, and a lot of people owe me money, so actually things aren't that great. I trusted people too much, and I'm paying for it now. To, to, to me, it kind of sounds like that uh, – you know, so he cashes for the $5.8 million. Uh, he obviously has to – he's supposed to give 80% to the backer. Maybe he gave more than that to the backer with some BS promises of, of what the money is going to be used for. Maybe or the backer borrowed it or something, something funny like that where the backer took the entire thing, and then just never gave it back to him. It has to be something like that because there's no way the backer had the right to get it. The only other possibility in my mind is that the backer imitated him or like took his ID and, and imitated him, and they just figured all these Russians look alike and <laughs> they gave it to him. Uh, maybe like I, maybe the backer said to him, "I don't trust you to get the 5.8 million yourself. You're going to run off. I'll never see you again." So I'm going to take it, and then I will distribute it to you, and then never did. And like he p- pretended to be him. I, I don't know. He, maybe that's why he won't state it, of what happened. But uh, it's. Uh, but he says he hasn't seen a penny of it. So it's so weird. I, I never would have pictured that's possible. And it's, it's also interesting. You see these people winning all this money uh, in the official reports of the tournaments. But you, you never think about, or you don't think about that often, how much do they have of themselves? And sometimes it can be very little, like in this case, 20%. So sometimes you could be looking, going, oh, wow, this person just won $3 million. But if they only had uh, 20% of themselves, it, it becomes well, 600000 which that you can go through very fast. I know uh, when uh, another good example of that was when uh, Joseph Cotta won the main event. I think it was reported that he had like 30, you know, he was backed. It was, this was openly, it wasn't like it's some secret, but he was backed by, uh, sheets and backs. And I think it was somewhere like around 30% plus makeup too, which, you know, of course you, you hit the world series, you know, the makeup is, is, you know, minute compared to the amount you're going to get. But that's another example. Like, I, I didn't know. know be, oh, wow. I didn't know he was sheets and backs. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. The first people that, I mean, if you, well, I was actually there live, but when he won, when the final hand was over, the first two people that came running up and hugged him were Sheets and Backs. Um, you know, Sheets, and- was, Sheets used to listen to this show. I don't know if he still does, but he came on. He actually volunteered to come on 
as an interview, and I did interview him on one show. Uh, he was a listener here, which which kind of surprised me. But uh, I, he must have really scored on that one. I mean, that's that's huge. Oh, they wow. made so much money. But I mean, I remember uh, I'm trying to think. Someone in the know, actually, it was Newhouse that told me because for a while they were backing him when he won. Uh, the Sunday Million, uh, I don't know if people even realize it. I mean, beyond all the other incredible feats, Newhouse, you know, the back-to-back, he, he won a Sunday Million, too. And he's not uh, – he's never been much of a tournament player online. He just doesn't have the patience. He always just wanted to jump in the cash games. But I remember him telling me that, uh, you know, I think it was about a, a period of a year that they were backing him. And uh, I don't know, I guess you could say they had a falling out. Just, you know, they stopped backing him, not because – Newhouse did anything uh, unscrupulous, but he just, you know, they have a strict uh, set of rules, you know, in terms of when they back people. And this is, of course, before, you know, Black Friday, and there's a certain amount of tournaments that you're required to play, you know, each week on Sundays. And, you know, some of those are like $50 rebuys, and, you know, Newhouse didn't, just didn't adhere to, you know, whatever the the set rules, that which, again, I have no idea what they are. But, you know, I, I, I he told me some of it, like, you have to, you know, you have to play an X amount of tournaments. They tell you, you know, which days, what tournaments. And, you know, some of them are like small $10 tournaments and he just didn't want to do it. So he broke ties with them. But I remember they had staked him in a Bellagio tournament. It was, uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was that infamous tournament where we actually played a video of a drunk new house drinking drinks that were like being, that were discarded, that were, remember just sitting at an empty table. There were like <laughs> three quarter, like like drank Coronas and mixed drinks. Do you remember that video, Druff? And he was pounding them. He was already <laughs> wasted. But anyhow, he was there at the Blasio for for uh, it was some sort of WPT, and uh, he told me that in that specific WPT that sheets and backs had somewhere around like I remember thirty plus runners that they had put in just to that one specific ten wow. k or fifteen k tournament. And because uh, I remember I you know I asked him directly. I'm like, how many you know horses do they have in here? Because I'd always heard these rumors of how they cleaned up so much that everyone that basically won was always being backed by them. And he told me it was like 30-something people they had. And, uh, you know, so I, mean, I just found that interesting. You know, the, I mean, they probably made more... You know, it reminds me of this story uh, right when Durr was... Uh, uh, before Durr turned 21. And, uh, you know, I guess you can say it's a legend, but, you know, Durr said it was true, and you, I heard it from a lot of other people. But that year, he was only 20 years old. In fact, he tried walking in the Rio inside the poker room just to, you know, say hello to somebody or talk with someone. And he, for some reason, maybe it's because people knew who he was, but he immediately was told he had to leave. Couldn't even be in there, you know, because he wasn't 21. But that year, he, you know, he had, he had been on fire for the previous two, and he staked a number of people. And uh, you know, I don't remember who, who the names were, but as the legend and story goes – a lot of the people, he had a couple people that made final tables. I think some may, may have even won a bracelet, maybe even two. And uh, he ended up making several million dollars, you know, because the joke always went. He had the best World Series out of anybody he never even played <laughs> because he made so much money. I think it was like 2008 maybe when – I don't know. You can look at look at the dates and see when he was born. But it was the summer right before he turned 21. And uh, he made several million dollars just from staking people in events. You, you, you know who's the land. you know who's the reverse of this uh, on a much smaller scale is me. Uh, if I ever buy a piece of anybody, it's guaranteed they're going to brick. Guaranteed. I I mean I, I just stopped. I, people even ask, hey, can you know, can you buy a piece of me? I could, you, you don't want me to. You're going to lose. 
And I, I stopped because I, I batted zero. Every single person I bought a piece out of uh, did not ever cash, not once. So I gave up on it. <laughs> I, I ran the worst with that. So yeah, You've told me that before. Yeah, it's, people. Well, it, that makes sense. There, mean, there's there's two things where I, where I, I brick constantly. It's uh, it's that and satellites. I also brick satellites. Yeah, you know, that I play on my own. I I can't ever satellite into anything. I get close sometimes, but I I never satellite into anything anyway. Like I see I see satellite winners, I get jealous. I, go, I can't do that. I I can't win satellites. It's so. amazing. And yeah, I'm sorry. I again I went on the tangent. So with uh, Demidoff. What was the story behind why he never got paid? Or he won't say. He won't say. Okay. There's, there's no. There's nothing. no conclusion. He he doesn't. Uh, uh, he won't say why, and he can't explain this weirdness now, of how the backer got the money instead of him. Like he, what he, year was that again? Was it two thousand nine or ten? Eight. And it was two thousand eight. And and he he should have been the first one to touch the money. So so how did it go? Why from would he him? wait seven years before making the statement? It's it's weird. The whole thing's weird. It sounds to me like on just the front of it that he's broke now and maybe he's looking for some loophole to get some money, to get some sympathy. I mean, why would you wait seven years? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me to come forward with it now. That's true. Seven years. I mean, that's a, that's a he could have felt like an idiot. Like, yeah, he could have felt so embarrassed of what happened. He didn't want to become a, a joke that uh, it could have you been. Know, Nolan Dalla got ripped off by Peter D.C. and he waited almost seven years. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Nolan Dalla could have. I know eight he, years in Tibet. He, 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 Nolan Dalla could have uh, prevented the whole Peter DC uh, fiasco in our community if he just uh, posted this earlier. Because if you if you Google Peter Falcone before what happened uh, here, you didn't come up with anything. You know, it's weird. I think about. I mean, I don't think about him a lot, but I still have his phone number in my phone. I think it's been disconnected. But every time I'm in the P area. Like when I call like another Peter or Peter Priscilla, I see the number. I you know I just think, what is he doing? You know, did he maybe is he on the straight and narrow? No, he'll never I mean, be. He's well, a no, I know, scammer. but I'm just thinking, is he like right now? You know, just in some sort of like scam? Did he change his face like Nicolas Cage and face off? Like, I mean, what is he doing? Like, you know <laughs> what is, I mean? Well, you know this is something. I, I feel like I can't get away from him because I, when my sister got married two years ago. I was at her wedding and uh, a. The brother of one of her friends, who's had had some problems, and uh, it wasn't even clear if he would be at the wedding. He he had some uh, compulsive gambling issues and other stuff. So this guy, this guy shows up. You know, this guy went to the wedding. Call from unknown caller. I think, I think this might be China Maniac. To send a voicemail, press two. So so this guy shows. He's at the wedding, and he comes up to me at one point, and he says, "Hey, uh, do you know?" A, uh, a Peter Falcone? I, I couldn't believe it. This is two years ago. So I said, yeah, how, how do you know him? So he says, I, I was in a halfway house with him uh, again, for, for compulsive gambling. I said, okay, but how did my name come up? How, how did he possibly know you knew me? He said he didn't. He was going around the halfway house and, and telling everyone that, that he was really good friends with, with poker player Todd Wattellis and asked if uh, anyone knew him. This is two years ago. He's still doing this crap, hmm. and so this, you know, this is this guy who happened to know me through my sister said, "Oh yeah, I, I know him because his sister is a really good friends with, with my sister," and and uh, then Peter started going off on all these stories about what good friends we were, and uh, and of course none of the scamming had any part of the story, but uh, uh, this guy had no money, so there wasn't anything to scam from him. But I, I was shocked that this is still going on in 2013. 
So he's the best. <laughs> China maniac. Yeah, you uh, you had plenty of interactions with uh, Peter. Is that China? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Is that the new thing yeah, you need to... You don't. You just connect them. You don't. Announce. Yeah, I, I just I just slap them on here. That's what I did yeah, with I you. Did a little bit of read. I did a little bit of reading about that Russian backer thing earlier, and um, basically in that thread on two plus two, I guess. They say that it's like customary for Russians to give all the money to their backers and then they're supposed to get paid. Why? So I have no idea. Maybe it's because, like, maybe he was in deep makeup. Maybe it has something to do with taxes. I have no idea. But I think he was in pretty deep. Well, actually, he was on an 80-20 deal. So I don't know how makeup worked with those guys. But usually if you're on an 80-20 deal, usually I think it's a free roll. Like, you just get 20% of whatever. But... I guess he paid the guy, supposedly, and then he never got paid. I don't know why, but people were pulling up, like, chat logs of that guy, like, talking to people in nosebleed games on full tilt. Like, I guess he was a big fish, and then the guy was posting about how he was playing in, like, these huge stud games in Russia where the pots were, like, $1 and $2 million. So it, it looks like he probably just took the money played some huge games or something and chunked it off. I mean, that's just basically wow. what I read earlier. That's crazy. I mean, imagine having to trust some shady Russian to pay you one point something million. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. And it's not even like it's uh, – I have to imagine it's not like an operation like Sheets and Backs, which uh, has a good reputation where you know you're not going to get screwed. This is just some shady Russian guy who backs people that you just have to trust isn't going to screw you. That's crazy. That's uh, that's the custom. Well, how, how much was the win for? 5.8 million. So even like 5.8 million, if he's getting 20%, so that means he's going to see what, like a million, right around a million or something? So like, even if he saw a million, I could see like, then you, then you take taxes out of it. You know, who knows what the tax, let's say even it's like 50% or something. I don't know how Russian taxes work, but so now he's down to 500000 and then supposedly he bricked through, like, a couple of years before that, I think, or the year before that, the guy backed him, and he lost, like, 150000 yeah. So who knows? Maybe the guy just pulled one of these, like, hey, you bricked all those tournaments, even though you were on a 20% pre-roll, you got to pay that back. And before you know it, he was down. And then he probably, he probably didn't get stiff, like, I mean, he got stiffed, but. Who knows how low that figure back? I, I think the guy just. I, I think the guy just stole it. If, if there's oh, all these, no, it, it's uh, like the genocide situation, where uh, she was spotted losing in a fifty-one hundred limit game, and uh, coincidentally enough, right after somebody just awfully after losing that much money went in and stole all the money she had in her purse, and she wasn't able to play in any of the tournaments that she was staked in. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, no, I think it's from the Rio Safe. Oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Was it the safe? So yes. Someone, bad, so just someone bad luck. Was, so, so someone was backing her, and she was playing in a game she wasn't supposed to with that money, and they just went and snatched all the money back? Genocide um, reported uh, that someone broke into her Rio room a few years ago and, and stole money out of the safe somehow. Somehow they got into the safe and I, stole it. And and uh, I, I didn't hear this part that she was playing 50-100 and losing there. That was a thing. People had reported that they had seen her. Okay. Well, yeah, you, you do remember, but it's no offense. Oh, okay. It's the senile, senile part because we did all talk about this. No, no, I, know I talked about it. I didn't hear about the fifty-one hundred. I we I talked about the speculation that this was BS, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't remember the fifty-one hundred. Reported that they had spotted her playing in 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 game a game 
uh, whatever, it was 50, 100. I think that's what the Rio runs, right? They don't have 40, 80. It's like 50, 100, and 20, whatever. And they had reported that she had been in the game till like 4 or 5 in the morning. And she was getting crushed, and that's why the speculation came that it was bullshit. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not saying it was there. You know, I was there, and I know the facts, but that's the way it was reported, that she got crushed in a game, and uh, the speculation was that she was, you know, playing with tournament money, kind of like the same way uh, IMHIV did, um, and lost, and she couldn't play in the tournaments the next day, and she needed an out, and that was... You know, that was her out. There were a few of those stories last year, too, where people that were uh, claiming that people broke in the room and, and stole money. And, and it was always like kind of an odd situation where it was uh, it was kind of hard to believe from the details that this could have happened this way. And it, to me, it sounded like yeah. in all these cases, it was people just chunking off the money and saying, ah. And in fact, two occurred like really close to one another, not involving genocide, but there's like one. And then like the next day after the first person tweeted about it, the second person Oh yeah, this happened to me too. Like it seemed like the you're, second you're, person got an idea from the first one. Yeah, and you're all gonna the see these popping up. These these are going to be popping up left and right now with all these hotel thieves. There's going to be so many people that just chunk off money or whatever, or even just make it up, just saying, "Hey, you know, like I had the money in the safe, but somebody took it." You know, you know, what was the weirdest one was the Scott Montgomery. I got robbed in the Bellagio bathroom, but I won't make a police report story. Yeah. That was, that was the best that. one, wasn't it? Yes. That wasn't was it the... supposedly like his girlfriend's money or something? Wait, it was like, like that, that, was that, that little Annette, Annette, Annette 15. 15. It was, it was $1,200. It, was, it wasn't even like a huge sum of money. It was like $1,200, he said, got stolen. Some black guys pulled a gun on him in the Bellagio, or a knife or something in the Bellagio bathroom and stole $1,200 from him. But somehow he wouldn't make a police report about it. And he waited 15 minutes to go to security about it. It's crazy. So, like, Annette must have given him $1,200 to gamble. Like, this is after he made it so far in the World Series. He must have chunked it all off. And I haven't seen him recently. He just seems to be gone. So, he must have chunked I think he just won it. I think he won a bracelet, like, either, like, I think he won a bracelet right around. He did win a bracelet. He won a bracelet. And he ran really deep in the main event. Right. Like he, he was at the Crazy. final table, yeah. So, so he must have shot it all off, and then he uh, he must have been broke, and Annette gave him twelve hundred dollars, and he probably you know to do something else with it. And he shot it off, and then he claimed he got robbed in the bathroom, but he he didn't want to go as far to make a false police report. In fact, I even tweeted to him; he just ignored me. I, I said, uh, I said, oh wow, that sounds very serious. Uh, can you give me the name of the uh, police officer you reported this to, so in case one of us gets info, we can report it to that same uh, detective? And of course, he doesn't answer it. Right, because there was no. Yeah, that one looked. That one looked really bad. <laughs> yeah, like, why would you not there go to the no police? There was no one at the Bellagio that confirmed it either, right? Yeah, but explain to me again what was the, the opinion of the community or everyone's opinion. It was only twelve hundred dollars. So what would the point have been? I think he was probably flat broke, and Annette gave him some money to do something with that, and then he did something different and probably shot it off in the pits or something. Bucks. Yeah, and then but he had to come up with an excuse. And he figured, oh, I'll just I'll make up that black guys took it from me in the bathroom, and uh, and then you know he didn't realize there would be skepticism about this, uh, and you know he didn't want to go as far as making a false police report and commit a crime, so so he just waited 15 minutes, went to security, uh, made up some BS, and then uh, and then just dropped it. So uh, I've noticed around World Series time, so many of these supposed crime victim claims are BS. Like there was the guy who supposedly got mugged in the parking lot that was actually beaten up during a drug deal. Uh, there is the, um, there's these fake thefts. I, I actually did a, uh, the, I always put a 
title on each one of these episodes that uh, uh, having to do, it's always something I try to make funny that has to do with the, one of the subjects we talked about. The title of the show about a year ago, after the, during the World Series of all these people finding excuses for what happened to the money or you know, something that was their own fault that they try to blame on something at the World Series, I called that episode Blame It on Rio based upon a, uh, a movie really? of that name. From, Michael Caine. Yes. So, so I Michael, called it. That, that's, a, that's a flashback because it was, I think there was a nudity scene in that that um... – that was like that I remember very good from the eighties. <laughs> so, you guys were talking about that stuff earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so yes, yeah, so I called it blame it, blame it on it Rio. Michael, or wasn't blame it on Rio about a guy falling in love with like a really young underage girl? I saw the movie. This is a long time ago. Was she underage? I, I, anyway, the yeah. I, I called it blame it on Rio because everyone was blaming the Rio for all these things, not having enough security, having maids breaking in and get into your safe, and all like you know what? None of this actually happened. This is all. I don't uh, believe it either. They, they're all making it up. Like I, yeah, I, what you, they're saying now too is like a lot of those daily tournaments and stuff that they run. Like it's so late, late, and there's like five or six people. They decide to chop. They bring all the money out or whatever, and then like. People just start like arguing or trying to strong arm people for money. So there's been a big thing going around about them getting the World Series to facilitate chops. I don't know how that's going to go or if they'll be able to do it or whatever. Wait, what, I mean, what is what is happening there? What, what do you mean if they agree to a chop? What happen? What happens from that point? That's wrong. I don't know. I think they well they pay everybody, but then you have to trust that the other people are going to pay you, and then other people might be like, "No, fuck you," you know? Like, I'm oh, not you're, you're, you're oh, you're saying that they don't actually. Uh, split the money at the cage. You actually right. have to go up and have the person hand them the money, and some some go back on the agreement. Pretty much, yeah. Like let's say five guys decide to chop, they all go to the cage. Or oh, whatever. that's awful! I, I didn't know that. I, I I every tournament I've ever played in where there's Wait, a chop. Huh? What, say that again. What, what, he's, 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 like they, they the won't. He's claiming yeah, they, if you chop at the world, chop, they won't. Yeah, they won't chop the tournament for you. So I think you have to play it out. But if they get down to like five. They might just say, "All right, we're going to chop it," and then like they end the tournament. Well, and just yeah, there, your I mean, there's there's been rumors of that for for years. In fact, the most uh, one that was credible was when Elia Lesra, who was like the last of that you know big crew, like you know of, of high stakes poker and all those guys to have a bracelet, one one so bad, and uh, he was heads up. It was like in stud or I think it was ten k stud or whatever it was. And uh, they took an unscheduled break, and him and, and his opponent, who was a nobody, uh, you know, in terms of at least like the public's knowledge, went and talked, and they came back, and then you know he proceeded to raise every hand, and then like fold on Fifth Street or Sixth Street, and uh, you know that that was the rumor that he agreed to give him first place money because he just wanted a bracelet so bad, and didn't want to take a chance. Um, but the thing about that is, like you said, China, I mean, you know. Deals are made, 100%. You are correct. But unless you know the person, I mean, unless it's like, you know, someone like Ivy that you know, you know, is he going to screw you over? How can you take that kind of chance? Like, and you know what yeah, I mean? I think most, know that no one you I know, so. and, there's, and then there's tax implications. I mean, you're really going to take someone's word when you're talking, you know, that you don't know? We're talking, you know, potentially thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. I'm, I'm still in, surprised in, the World Series doesn't split it themselves. Every place I've played where there's been a chop in in uh, you know LA not, tournaments, they've always paid it out the way the chop is done. They yeah, don't. Uh, you could understand why because they don't want that perception that you know they want it like like it's a sport, winner take all, one winner. You know they right. don't want because if not, yeah, a lot of these tournaments, especially where there's life changing money, 
And ninth, the difference between ninth place and first place is, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. You know, more people are just going to. But jump. I, I think China's saying that the, there's happens at the dailies, no, not the bracelet events. Yeah, but it's more the dailies. I think when you have like, oh, I, okay, I'm sorry. Know, those, I, I thought you were also speaking of regular tournaments as well. No, because those guys are playing in those dailies. Like they start early in the day, they don't end until the next morning. They get down to five. They all probably feel pretty comfortable with each other because they've been playing all day together. And then they, you know, they decide to chop, and then, like, maybe one guy would be like, no, fuck it, you know, I'm keeping this, or I want more, or whatever. And uh, there's a couple of, like, semi-name players that are on 2 plus 2, like, semi, like, decent-sized poker names, and I guess, like, you know, they'll try and just, like, strong-arm somebody, being like, oh, no, I'm a better player, I want more, you know, and this is after they already agreed to it and did the tournament, so... Pretty crazy. So, so is there pressure? Is there pressure chop. on the World Series right now to uh, to actually monitor these chops and pay out according to what the chops are? Is that what you're saying? I think that that people are trying to get them to do that. Like the main thing is like the main stick is like protect the players. Like say, they're saying that the World Series isn't protecting the players by not facilitating the chops. I don't know like what Jack Effel has had to say about it, but. That's the point, I guess, that the people have been trying to drive to him. I'm sure he's been tweeted at a million times. But well, if I tweeted him, he won't really... see it because I'm blocked. <laughs> I, I was, but not anymore. Well, how did you get unblocked? Blocked. I can't believe it. Funny enough, uh, two scammers got me unblocked. <laughs> Jacep uh, tweeted the, uh, what's his name, the chopstick kid. I can't believe this. The, the chopstick. Uh, the, the wait, wait. Chop- so, so wait. You're, so Jacob tweeted. Jacob back during uh, VP. Okay, well, some backstory. The reason why. Do you remember why I got banned? The no. reason why I got banned was because uh, I was I was tweeting some pretty negative tweets during the uh, ladies' event. This oh, that's right. When those guys got it. booed and they didn't do anything. Yeah, about but, it. but it wasn't just booing, but they were like. Bad mouthing them and they, oh, that's and right, that's right. The, 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 the floor man was was bashing the, one of the players in the ladies' yeah. event who was a guy. And, and it went it went way beyond just. And you know what? Look, it's it's a ladies' event. If they guys want to play in it, I mean, there's not you know, there's not a men's event. I, I think they should do away with all that. But anyhow, so yeah, yeah, I just was voicing my my opinion. That was very respectful. I was polite. I just was asking for their opinion on one of their, you know, employees calling somebody a sissy and you know, literally getting the crowd fired up. You know, and hoping that he'll be the first one to bust out. I just found it very unprofessional. So anyhow, I never got an answer, and then I got blocked. And again, I never was rude. I just wanted their opinion on how their, you know, employee was, was you know, behaving. So anyhow, the Jacep, when this is when we were doing Vegas Poker Radio, uh, claimed that he was really good friends with, uh, you know, and that just means he, you know, knew him from Twitter or something. That's his definition of really good friends. But uh, with, with the, who's Jedi? Was that his name? The chop, yeah, the who, who's Jedi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he tweeted out who's Jedi. Knew them. Yeah, who, you know, funny, that's why I said two scammers, who, uh, would, you know, through his media contacts and, you know, his job was on good terms with, the, you know, WSOP and, and their tournament directors. And uh, literally within about 20 minutes of my phone call at Jacep, I was unblocked on Twitter. And this was like, what, 2000. 13, 2012, whenever it was, and I've uh, been blocked, unblocked ever since. So literally two scammers got me unblocked. It's kind of crazy. Like he is some of the, he had some like weird contacts. I'm just like, how does he know this person? And like, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like some of the people that he knew, like finding out, you know, we found out what he was like afterwards, but like at the time 
he'd be like, oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then, like, you know, I'd see him interacting with somebody or, like, oh, yeah, I know her from Foxwoods or whatever, you know. It's just uh, pretty crazy how he, uh, I don't know, how he entrenched himself into who he was. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'm still blocked. I don't know why I'm blocked. I actually just found myself blocked one day. I was... I, I've tweeted some things that I'm critical about, but like you were saying, Brandon, I was never, I never did anything to warrant blocking. I didn't, I didn't overtweet to him. I didn't, uh, I didn't use any kind of rude or offensive language. Uh, I, I, I wasn't calling him names. I, I wasn't saying you're incompetent. Like I wasn't saying things like that. I would, I would disagree with something or, or say, you know, or comment about some kind of fail that they that occurred there, but. It was what I've always said with this is if you're going to be the World Series of Poker tournament director, you've got to have a thicker skin. I'm not asking him to add me as a personal friend on Facebook. I'm saying that uh, you don't block someone from your official tournament director account unless they've done something that's uh, unless they're being really really offensive or unless they're like hammering you with messages. Like I'd understand blocking someone who's tweeting him. Man, this fucking World Series is rigged. You know, I've had aces cracked five out of five times. What the hell, man? This, these you, you guys are sh- shuffling the decks wrong. Like, and then like constantly tweeting that crap at him. I can see like you don't want to see that, and it's nonsense. But someone offering constructive criticism, whether you agree or disagree, yeah. you, you can't have such a thin skin where you block them from your official work account. Yeah, you probably you probably and, made some good points. A lot of times, people in high power. When they get like criticism that they don't want to deal with, it's probably true. They just try to ignore it. And that's probably what he did. He probably just said, and, oh, and again, I remember, you know, my tone and everything. And I was one hundred percent a gentleman, one hundred percent polite. I just wanted their a response and a statement from them, and they just continually ignored me. They just wouldn't respond, and then they just got sick of me asking, and they blocked me. I mean, I never, you know, I was never rude, never used any vulgar language, and. Um, I mean, it, you know, it was embarrassing. Like, did, I, I don't remember exactly what was said, but I know that, you know, they were rooting from the bust. And, like, yeah, no, they, they were being very names. obnoxious. Yeah, very like, obnoxious. Just, yeah, it was just obnoxious. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and... even the ladies that were there. So remember, my Karina Jett made that final table. Even, like, Karina told me, like, it was beyond, like, normal, you know, razzing and just, you know, playful. I mean, it was it was just kind of mean-spirited. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it, it, it you know, it, it's... I don't know. And by the way, yeah, you know, uh, at least when I tweet to uh, Seth Polanski, you know, he doesn't have me blocked, and he always gives me a response. Usually, it's like this, but it's a response, you know. So that's, yeah, he actually does give me responses to everything. I'll give him that. He's he communicates to me whatever I'm concerned about. But Jack Effel, he will not respond to me. Uh, when I see him around the Rio, like, uh, he doesn't, uh, like, I'll, I'll see him standing with Seth or somebody else there that knows me, and, like, you know, they'll say hello, and he will. He'll act like everything's fine, but then, like, I'm, I'm blocked from his Twitter. If if uh, if there ever is an occasion for me to have a conversation with Jack Effel there, I'm not going to come up to him specifically about this, but if there's anything I'm talking to him about, I will ask, like, can you unblock me from your Twitter? Because it's, it's ridiculous. I should I should not be blocked from the official tournament director's Twitter account. But I, yeah, I, I always, always ask him when I. You I can always say, tweet when I see Apple. Oh, go ahead, Brandon. No, I was going to say, Druff, you could always tweet him with your chip. Uh, your yeah, that's right. I could start chips. using the dandruff poker and go, damn it, I blocked this guy. I, could, I should just got to keep making uh, unlimited Twitter accounts to keep tweeting at him. Just uh, every time he blocks one, I make another one. 
Yeah, I, I, every time I see him, I, I ask him to. I always ask him. I say, "Why do you keep eliminating like the limit hold'em tournaments?" And I understand that like everybody plays no limit now, but like, what did they cut it down to like two last year? Yeah, or something it, like that. I, like, I actually. Um, brought this up to Seth Polanski when he called me last year, and we had a 45-minute conversation. And I, I towards the end of the call, you know, had nothing to do with the World Series events that he called me. He called me about the the online poker site, but I, I said, you know, what's up with kicking all these limit events off the schedule? I mean, there's the same number of limit hold'em games as there are pot limit hold'em, and nobody plays pot limit hold'em anymore. So, like, how, how can that have the same number of events as limit hold'em, which is still one of the most popular cash games in the world. It's uh, I know it's fallen way behind No Limit and maybe even PLO, but it, it's still overall a, a popular variant of poker. To only have two out of 68 events for it is crazy. So he said he agreed, and he tried to suggest to Jack that they bring more back, and uh, I have to imagine other people made comments, and that's why they brought back the six max limit hold'em this year. But they still only have three now. When at one point the high point they had five and a half, and I say a half because one was the mixed hold'em of limit and no limit. Uh, I don't know why they killed the shootout because the shootout it got that. it got okay numbers, and uh, you know it's not like it's always showing up, and it, it it's done quickly. It's, it, it it they go through it very quickly. That uh that that the mix max actually was funny enough. I played that, and the second I think all three of us played that, but. Uh, the one year, I don't know if it was more than one year, but one year specifically, I played it, and China Maniac was literally like two tables behind me, and we literally busted out within about, I don't know, 45 seconds or a minute of each other. Do you remember that, China? Yeah. I busted out, I had, aces, I had aces, and I got busted by Andy Block, who called my raise, uh, and it was, it was, it was, uh, no limit. It wasn't in the limit stage, obviously. Not a decent stack, but uh, it it he called my raise. I remember with the exact hand with four six of hearts, and uh, out of position he called my raise, and he ended up making some goofy two pair, and uh, that was that was that. And then literally I start getting up, getting my things together, wishing everyone good luck, and then China walks over to me, and he had just busted out as well. You know what, China? I, I have the same experience with him at one of the limit events we played. Uh, me and him busted almost at identical times. I think like a three K limit. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I, I remember the one with Brandon real well. He walked over and he's like, "How, how you doing?" I'm like, "I'm all in." And then we turned our cards over. I had aces against kings too, and it was. Oh, fun. I remember. Yep, yep. That's right. We both lost with aces. Or you yeah, had aces. Massive- and he- he flopped a king, right? Yeah, it was aces versus kings, and yeah, there was awesome. a king in the window, I think. Awesome. And, then that was it. <laughs> and then, you remember what we did afterwards, buddy? I don't. We went and we had a big What's salad. <laughs> That's nice. We had a big salad at the, the Rio uh, salad bar thing. Remember, okay. You, don't, yeah. you know, when I when I busted in 2012 in the 5K limit on the bubble, um, someone almost talked me into going to get drunk with him. I almost did it. <laughs> I, the, the guy who, who the guy who busted on the second bubble, the European guy, I forgot his name on Poker Stars. It was one of those Germans on Poker Stars. I forgot his name, uh, but he a younger guy. But he he busted twentieth. I busted nineteenth. They paid eighteen spots, eleven k minimum, and uh, I, I didn't have to bust. I had the stack to just wait it out. But I got four good hands, played them all, lost them all, and uh, including the final one, losing Ace King to six deuce. And I was so demoralized about that. And it was my first event of the year, too. 
I was so demoralized. My stomach was actually hurting. And I I was walking out and he saw me and, you know, uh, he saw what happened and he came up and started talking to me and he said, oh man, let's, let's just go get drunk. And I, I almost said yes. I really almost said yes. I, I, I would have said yes if my stomach wasn't hurting. But I was like, oh, if I do this, my stomach's going to even feel worse. So I was like, yeah, my stomach didn't feel good enough to do it. But I, I would have done it. And I, I never drink. The most – I've seen you twice pissed off because of poker. The first time I didn't know you that well. It was literally right when we met. And uh, it was – well, maybe a year or two after we met. But we weren't exactly like really, really close. You had busted out in the limit event. Um believe it was in the money. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But you busted out to Greg Mueller. Do you remember that? And I was standing outside. That was in 2008. I was standing outside with Nicole is nice and Alex Jacob and Jen. We're all hanging out. We were kind of sweating you. And you just stormed out of there. You didn't even talk to anyone. You didn't. Uh, your girlfriend at the time was there. And you just stormed the fuck out. Do you remember that? Actually, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Really? That was 2008. And I remember Greg. We were all watching the hand. Greg Mueller busted you and you were just pissed off because I think you lost like four or five hands in a row. We took terrible beats and uh, eventually you were knocked out and you, you stormed out. Then the second time was right after um, right after your deep run in the main event when you showed up at Money Plays and the bar and you barely could even stay because you were just still like uh, you, know, you still had so much adrenaline running through you, and you're so like just shell shocked that the five days or whatever it was was over. Do you remember? And you stayed for like five minutes, and you couldn't even hang out and have a drink or, yeah, or you know yeah. soda. And uh, that wasn't that wasn't the first time you met Marty, though, was it? Because I know you no, met no, him no, at no, Marty. no, no, I, okay. I, no. That was also at that bar too. Yeah, you know, I, I, the first thing describing for some reason I don't remember this thing about Greg Mueller, but I remember, I remember it, it does it does sound out. like maybe it's when I. If I take oh, a you number, stormed fucking right past us all. Didn't even say a word. Like <laughs> well, you stormed right past us. Didn't even acknowledge us and fucking left. If I if I have a frustrating end to a tournament, that that's exactly what I feel like doing is just leaving. I just want to leave and, and be away from everyone. Of course, that's what everyone does. Like I, I bust I, out of the Rio and I fucking you know I I leave immediately. I, like I always leave after busting, but like if it was a frustrating end, then I just really feel like. Not seeing anyone at all on the way out. Whereas if I like, if I'm just in a tournament and you're near the beginning or whatever, like I'm nowhere near cashing and it just just doesn't go well and I bust, yeah, I'm frustrated. And I, I I I leave the tournament area. But if I run into people I know on the way, I'll stop and talk to them as if there's nothing wrong. Well, but it's like the minister of Bitcoin. I mean, he busts out of a tournament and takes by eight hundred <laughs> people, and you know. But I guess that's easy to do when you're not playing with your own money. You know, when you're gambling with other people's money, you know, several hundred thousand dollars over a couple of years with, you know, no return, but you're a winning poker player. It's easy when you bust out, you know, of a two thousand, three thousand, five thousand dollar event, to, you know, take four levels and say goodbye to everyone from table to table. To, to, sh- to show you how much I want to get away from people when things aren't going well sometimes, I even the tournament I won, my best tournament of all time, the uh, the, the one I won at the World Series in 05. Uh, I was having trouble beating the guy heads up, and and he started to make a small comeback against me, and then we hit a break, and I I was trying to bluff him, and it, it failed, and he raised me on the river, and I was I, I I folded, and then they say okay time for a twenty minute break. I stood up and I I told the people who were watching me there at the time, including my girlfriend then, that I have to be alone now, and I I stormed off, and I I stormed off though like. I walked off with a fake calmness so I, my opponent wouldn't see that I was pissed because I didn't want him to think he's gaining momentum or something. 
So I, I tried to like walk out and act normal, but as soon as I got away from him, I like walked off all pissed, and and then I, I went to the bathroom, and then I just like sat in the corner somewhere by myself for the entire break, and uh, um, like I, I didn't want to see anyone, and then and then I came back, and within a few minutes, it was then I, then I won every hand, and it was done, but uh, I, I was. Even that was uh, making me want to be with myself, and, and I was head heads up for a bracelet. So right. it was just uh, sometimes that's, I just want to be away, away from everyone. That's how I get like when I play online cash at home. If anyone, if I'm like on a sick losing streak, like just getting like pummeled for like a hundred bets or something like that. If anyone comes near me, it's just like, can you please just get away? You know, like I don't, I don't, I don't like tilt out and freak or anything like that, but. Sometimes you just need to be alone to deal with whatever you got to deal with, you know? Like, that's all. You know, it's weird. When I used to, uh, whether it was poker or any other forms of gambling, and nowadays it's, you know, I don't I don't play the pits. Um, when I would have a really bad session, you know, lose a large amount of money, um, I just would want to go home and, and sleep and, and, and be alone, just like you're saying. And maybe it's because I've lived here so long and I've kind of become numb to it, you know, just highs and lows, but now after I, and, I, and one of the big things is when I used to lose, I would have no appetite. Like I just couldn't eat, even if I hadn't eaten all day, or even if I knew I was hungry, I would kind of feel like physically ill in a sense that I had no appetite. But now when, when I lose, you know, or, or just have a really bad day or session or whatever it may be, the one thing I do immediately afterwards or at some point is I'll get myself a really nice meal. And, uh, you know, spoil myself, like for, you know, you'd get sushi, have a nice steak or something. And for me now it helps. And, um, I don't know, I guess it's because, you know, I've been doing this for so long, but it, it's not the same as what it used to be. I mean, it doesn't, I, I, I guess you become numb to it. I mean, maybe, maybe it's different. You guys, everyone handles it, you know, differently, but, um, I don't know. It doesn't really adversely affect me. Like I remember times in the past where, it would take me a week or two weeks to get over a loss. You know, I would still think about it, but now usually within like a day or two or three at the most, it's totally out of my system. Um, I, I can know, always, I, I can always eat afterwards. It's just, um, especially if it's free play to the, at the bike, but, uh, I, I, I can always eat, but, uh, it's funny sleeping. I sleep so much better if I lose than if I win. If I, if I win, I have such a hard time sleeping. If, if I lose, really? I can sleep really well. Depre- it's because of depression. Yes. You get depressed when you lose and when you win, you have, so much adrenaline. Right, going, so. right. That's what the problem. Exactly. So when I lose, I get depressed yeah. and it saps my energy and then I sleep. And not only do I fall asleep easily, but I, I can sleep straight a long time without waking up for anything. And uh, uh, that, that's when I've had the best sleeps is when I've lost. Uh, by the way, here's, here's an update. Uh, I don't have the ESPN music, but this is from Thomas Marchese on Twitter. This is showing you uh, what you can expect for the Colossus event. Tell me if you're... Tell me if you're shocked to hear this update. No, it was the wrong sound effect. Tell me if you're shocked to hear this update. Looks like WSOP is dropping the ball so far. That's a shocker. When to register, and keep in mind this is uh, this this is two days beforehand. When to register and 100 plus person line with one cashier open. <laughs> this weekend is going to be a disaster. I don't get it. How do they have one cashier? How have they not learned? I mean, what are they making? This is what happened in 07 when there was a six-hour line. They had one cashier open. Yeah, they. I mean, that's something that's pretty obvious, but it's like 
They're probably thinking everybody's going to show up. When, when does it start? Like, when does the actual World Series well, start? Well, it actually starts on, on uh, well, for this. Tomorrow. It, yeah, it starts tomorrow. Today, officially. today. Yeah. Today, today's a fi- yeah, first, today is the uh, employee event. And satellite started today. Well, we, um, by, by today, we mean game. like later today. Okay, yeah, well, we should have okay. a full section of cash. Let me, let me be more, be more specific. <laughs> the day that radio started, yesterday, Tuesday, uh, satellite started running, cash game started running. Um, everything was, was in full circle. Uh, today, meaning right now, in about uh, 11 hours and 52 minutes, the first event will start, which is event number one, the employee event. Then on Friday, event number two, the first uh, open event, the 1500 Omaha, which I will be playing, will be starting on Friday. And then followed, obviously, by uh, the, the Colossal. No, I thought Colossal uh, starts on Friday. It, it's, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday, I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, the Omaha's on Thursday. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, so event number the event number one, the employee event, is later on today. On Thursday, tomorrow, uh, will be event number two, the Omaha event. I'm not sure if there's a 4 p.m. event or not. Uh, I don't know. Actually, Brandon, sorry to cut you off. There's a 4 p.m. on Wednesday. I forgot today. he's here. 5K, no limit. Oh, okay. All right. Didn't know that. I, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Trader was here. I, I, I literally forgot he was I here. I forgot I was on the phone. I, I thought I was listening to the half, and I'm like, oh, I can That's chime why in. we pay him. I mean, he chimes in with that. <laughs> okay, so it officially kicks off today. The employee event, and then a five k no limit. So I, I, I don't get. I mean, what is it? Twelve dollars, fifteen dollars an hour at the most for a cashier. I mean, I don't well, especially that... with the Colossus coming up. So the the Colossus event is on Friday, and here now we're on Wednesday morning. And uh, and so it's it's like two and a half days away, and and they can't have more than one cashier open for an event. They're expecting twenty thousand. They they don't think that maybe my, some some people want to register early. Here's my question: Like, how many day ones are there for the Colossus? There's there's four, but they take place within two days. What about people that want to register for other events? I wonder if they're going to have a separate line. Of course not. Come on. Do you think the World Series would do that? Do you think they would do something smart like that? Never. (laughs) Never. Like, that would be crazy. Like, someone wants to play an event that, like, starts at 4 or something like that. Well, someone asked me this. Someone asked, uh, um, if I show up on Thursday at 11 a.m. to register for, for the Omaha, uh, do you think I'm going to hit a line with people that are registering for the Colossus? And my answer was, <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea. Not a good idea. You, you're gonna, of course, you're going to hit a terrible line. I mean, this this guy, uh, Thomas Marchese, showed up uh, at, at like 1130 p.m. Uh, days before the World Series and, and is 100 plus people in the line with one cashier open. So, yeah. I'd have to imagine, though, they're going to have, I mean, maybe not tonight, but tomorrow night, I mean, they're going to have to put in more. But even, like, with that full room full of cashiers, that line is just going to be ridiculous. Think about, because the, the buy-in so small. People are just going to be walking up. People are just going to be driving in from L.A. or wherever, you know. And it's it's, 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 it's going to be a disaster, and they're, they're so not prepared for it. There's The, the fact that Remind a, me, because it's been a while, is there a dedicated uh, – Dime, is it just seven star only, or is it diamond too? No, this to... this room is a clusterfuck. So there's a separate room for those of you that don't know for diamond and seven star members to register for the World Series, which which is nice, and you get to bypass the the usual lines. There's never a horrendous line in there. However, that room also is where you get the payouts. So 
if there are people caching, especially a large tournament where there's a ton of people caching at once, then you're competing with all those people for the cashiers, and it can be very slow in there. Why they don't separate them, I don't know. And you're asking, well, is it separate for Diamond and Seven Stars? Well, yes and no. One time I came in there, and there was an a, a unusually bad line because there were a ton of people who were uh, getting paid from cashing in some kind of a huge field no-limit event, and I just wanted to register. So... You know, it said diamond line here, and then it was, it was the same thing with the people cashing. So I went to them, and I said, I've never asked this before, but is there a seven stars line? And they said, well, not really, but just go right here. And they, they directed me just to a cashier. So I said, okay, so I did it. But then I said, well, okay, well, what about the future? Can I just you know walk up to the front and say I'm a seven star? Well, it, this hasn't really been defined, but, you know, like I got no good answer on that. So, so, you, so you can. Uh, well, do, they, they, I, I can try, but they, they didn't say, yes, sure, you can. They didn't say, no, you can't. It was kind of like, well, you know, it's a it's not an official thing, but we do it. It was, it was kind of like a weird answer like that that wasn't clear if, if I tried it the next time if it would work. But uh, definitely that room will be the, the best thing to use. When I have to buy in that guy, Reno, who uh, won that uh, buy-in from Split This, and uh, uh, provided he gets in when I do – uh, he's getting in pretty late, but uh, provided he's there when I'm registering, I was going to bring him in there with me and just ask them to register him too, even though he's not a seven star. I'm sure they'll do it. But oh, uh, huh? who's Reno? Reno split this. This something very generous. She sent a five hundred sixty-five dollar uh, money order to me to buy in a winner of a contest she held, a, like a tournament series she held from the site to the. Colossus with the agreement that the winner will give her 50%. Of course, they could stiffer and, you know, it'd be kind of hard to do something about it, but at least I'll know who it is, the, the person. But uh, anyway, this guy Reno won it. And uh, to make this so split this doesn't get rolled for the buy-in, uh, I put the requirement on that whoever wins this has to meet with me and I will personally buy them in. So I, I don't just send them the money and hope they show up to the World Series. They they actually have to show up and I have to buy them in. Otherwise, they're not getting it. So, now, do you uh, already know? Have you talked with him? Has he, has he already made uh, transportation yes. accommodations? Yeah, he's, he's coming. Yeah, he's coming. He's going to be there pretty late. But I also told him alternatively what he can do is he can buy in himself and then show me the tournament tickets afterwards and I'll reimburse him. But, but I'm not going to just give him the money and just, you know, say go buy in because then he could just take it not that i don't trust the guy but i don't really know him and uh so that was the thing the, the asterisk i put on there that you have to uh let me either buy you in or reimburse you after i see your ticket that you bought in so bro if you're going to be stuck in that line for seven hours buying him in they're going to shut you down in that seven star room and you're going to be waiting in line for about seven hours uh, if you know, if they if they don't let me buy him in, I'll I'll I'll, I'm compl- I'll I'll make a big deal about it. I'm, I'm sure I can get it done. I, I I know you're hoping it happens for the forum lulls, but, uh, but I, 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 that I'm convinced I can get done. What I'm not convinced is if there will be any seats left by the time we do it. That may be it may be gone. And you know, truthfully, if I go to register and they say, yeah, we have nothing, but you can. You can enter this fail flight where you enter on level seven. I probably won't want to do it. I, I tried that last year with the monster stack, and it sucked. It's just uh, all of a sudden everyone's short stacked. If you don't get any cards, then you, you just end up blinding off. It was crappy. 
Like the monster stack how is was. The, how is the how is the structure in this Colossus? It, it's actually pretty good, provided really you st- provided you. No, it's not. Provided you start at the beginning, it's a pretty good structure. If you start on level seven, it sucks. Right. So you start with a lot of with, with enough chips to where it's a decent structure, but not not if you start on level seven or even level five. You know, I, I don't want to start with that crap. I want to start from the beginning, and, and if I can't, because it's wait. So tell me again, how does that happen? How do you start in level six or because seven? Because they, 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 when they fill the capacity, instead of selling out, uh, what they've decided to do is start additional flights late at night uh, after people have busted. So, uh, like, they'll start, like, at 10 p.m., 11 p.m., whatever, but they're not going to play the full 10 levels because it, it'll finish uh, the next morning. And, and then you have to play a day two, and it's not possible. So what they have, what they end up doing is you you only play a few hours, and they just skip a bunch of levels, and everyone everyone there starts with the same stack, but you're starting at a, at a level okay. that's high, so it's it's dumb. It's like there's there's not that much play, and if you get bad cards, then you're just screwed. So 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 if I register for the six p.m. flight on Saturday, that's going to start off at level one. Yes. Okay, but, but, if you, but like do. a 10 p.m. flight, if, if, if you can't get into it, and if it's like a 10 p.m. flight, then it'll right. start at a later level, and that, that sucks. I, I did it at the Monster Stack, and it was so depressing. I'm get, first of all, I got a crappy table draw where everyone was either good or or, okay, or at least okay, and, and then – so there's no fish at the table. And then I'm having this situation where like I'm getting the worst cards, and then in front of me is like raise, re-raise. You know, like every time it's like raise, re-raise in front of me. So what am I going to do? You know, go over the top with Jack three offsuit? Like I, I can't. And then I was seeing a lot of real hands being shown down. So I, I just, I just watched myself get blinded down. I mean, I guess some people can just shove it in their faces with the Jack three offsuit, but that, that's just not me. And it seems like whenever I try that sort of thing, they show me aces. So, uh, you know, so I just, uh, I, I never got it. And the few times I did get hands, I, I didn't get action. I just wasn't running into anybody else who had hands. And then the times I would try to raise the steel blinds, then that's when people would come over the top on me. So it just it just none of it worked out, and, and I just didn't have much room to maneuver because we started at a level that was so high, and I, I finished with a, a crappy stack. It was, the whole thing was it was lousy. Hmm. So. Now, also, when is uh, the, this Reno fellow going to be playing? I, I don't know. I mean, he's just going to show. I don't know what flight he's going to get. I don't. I don't really because care. you should also make sure that he's. Seated at his uh, at his table. Oh, I will. I will. What's to prevent him from from you buying him from in and then him going yeah. and unregistering? Yeah, no, I, I, well, I. I'm just saying, you know, you don't want someone's generosity to, you know. But you know, I, Reno's been around a while. I know he's I, been I'm around saying. a while. He, yeah, he seems like an okay guy. I mean, I, I don't really know him very where well. Where does he live? Was he live he, far away? He used to live in Reno. Probably. Actually, but he, he doesn't live in Reno anymore. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Probably Reno. <laughs> no, he's. But uh, I'll say this. You know, like it's only five hundred sixty-five dollars. So to come all the way to Vegas to roll me for five hundred sixty-five dollars, I, I just don't see that. And he, he doesn't seem like the type that I'm, I'm assuming would. But yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll see what he's playing, and I'll I'll go over and 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 see him. And I I could just uh, the simplest thing could be just you know find me later and show me your ticket. Then there's no way out of it because then if if you get a refund, they take your ticket. Right. So the, the she had this it was like a tournament series or something you said yeah on, on poker fraud this? alert and she and she sent me the money yeah where is I for all this wow I don't know many, but, you know it's funny though she sent me the uh, she sent me the money order and it was from s period this that was that was the name on it I don't even have a real name I have no idea who she is. 
She, I guess she's concerned because she's seen all the shenanigans on the forum all these years that she doesn't want her info getting out and people bothering her in real life. So she's overly cautious. I've, I've told her I know so many people's info on the forum, uh, including people like – like take someone like Pooh. Pooh always trolls people on the forum. A lot of people don't like him. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he's, he's obnoxious on purpose a lot of times. I have all of Pooh's real info. I know he finally posted his picture, but, but no one has his real name except me. But I'm never going to give out his real name. The, the only time I would give out someone's info like this is if they scammed or if, if they were doing something, like, you know, harmful to me. I mean actually harmful, not just trolling me or calling me names. I, I, even if someone I got banned so, – someone I banned for trolling me, I still wouldn't post the real name. So only if something like you – know, they're doing something that affects me in real life or if they were uh, trying to you know, crash the forum or something, then I would give it their info or if they were scammed. But I, I would otherwise, I would never do it. And there's so many people whose info I have here – that, that I would never give out their info, no matter who asked for it. So uh, I, she really has nothing to worry about, but I can understand the concern. You know, if you really want to be anonymous, you, you enjoy the community, but don't want anyone knowing who you are. So fine. I, I thought it was very generous of her to, to, to give that much money to a stranger. And, uh, uh, you know, hopefully he cashes, and hopefully if he does cash, he honors the 50-50 thing. But uh, now, of course, if anybody ever went back on something like that and stiffed the uh, the backer, then I would I would ban them. But yes, T Buck uh, uh, is in the, in the chat. I don't know exactly what he wants to say, but he's asking about uh, you know if I was selling any pieces of me. And he also just wanted said, uh, can you talk on radio about how one goes about buying a piece? And I guess he's referring to just in general, like how staking packages or, or buying a piece works. And, you know, since you did have a package on here and I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't really or I've never actually done anything like that on uh, PFA with users. Uh, do you want to uh, give them an answer? Well, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. It's just uh, you, you just, you know, if you're the seller, you, you take a percentage and then you you know, see what it really costs to enter. So if it's a, it's a percentage of uh, $10,000, it would be $100, obviously, per percent, and then you mark it up whatever you feel is fair. Uh, so, you know, if it's a 20% markup, then it would be $120 for 1% of a, of a $10,000 event instead of $100. Uh, and and the way you when you buy a piece, there's not usually makeup. Usually you're just buying it directly. If you if the person wins, you get whatever percentage of them that you you own. And if the person loses, then you get nothing, and there's no makeup, and the money's gone. That's it. Now, when you say fair, when the minister of Bitcoin sold uh, a high percentage of a uh, no limit Deuce Seven tournament at 1.25 percent that he never even played the game in before, <laughs> uh, would you consider that fair? Uh, 1.25 percent a game he's never ever played. Maybe in the Bitcoin world. Yeah, maybe so. But uh, yeah, it's. And, and, you know, it's everybody has their own interpretation of what's fair. And, and when I sell my pieces, I, I always say this. I always say I'm not selling this so you guys can get in on a wonderful investment opportunity that's going to make you tons of money. I, I'm not even sure if, if some of these are plus EV for you to be buying. But I, I'm Again. selling it for fun. You know, yeah, it's, it's, a it's a gamble. It's, it's a fun. It's something you can do to 
have an extra interest in the World Series without having to be there. And then, of course, with me, you can trust you actually get paid. You can trust I'm actually going to enter the tournaments I say. No shenanigans are going to occur. You can trust I'm not going to drink or do drugs the night before or anything like that. Like, you know, I'm going to come and take it seriously. Uh, well, I don't know. You're talking about you had a potential drinking problem years ago. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what you're going to do? So, so it's, that orange juice, so getting all hopped up on orange juice and Pepsi. That, that's the true. Rio. That's true. There could be a lot of orange juice consumed the night before, and I could you know, show up yeah. with a huge stomach that will be distracting at the table because it'll be, you know, bonking against the, the table. Now, I can barely uh, let me ask. Uh, can I do a little self promo here? Yeah, a little bit or no? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, okay, and and tell me uh, how this works. And uh, you know, you never hurt my feelings. I don't expect favoritism. You know, I follow the rules like everyone else. But um, some people have asked me uh, most recently, T Buck, if. I was selling shares of anything that I'm in, and, and basically I'm not. Uh, I mean, I've, I've sold some, but I've, right the way it is now, for the most part, it's done. Um, there's one event that uh, I probably will be playing, and if I wanted to go about just selling shares on PFA of that one event, what would be the protocol for me to do that? Well, I mean, with, you know, in terms of it being your site and just being respectful of just how things operate. And that event would be the, the 10K uh, Limit Omaha 8 or Better Championship event. Well, so. what we have to do is, uh, in any of these cases, I have to give permission to the individual to do it. permission? And, yeah, yeah, you have permission to do it. Okay. And then, uh, and then the people, they, they can send the money directly. You know, I make a judgment call on how well, the known, how well known the person is in the community, how, how much we really know about them, how, you know, how much can we trust them. And so I, I have to come to that judgment. And um, see the the thing with I made this rule after the Jacep BAP disaster. It's a good rule. And and, and and the problem was even though Jacep was allowed to do a BAP, the, he didn't have to present details to me beforehand, and I didn't. You know, there, there were too many details that he didn't give me beforehand. And then had I known beforehand, I wouldn't have allowed it. So now now well, look, I say, I mean, listen. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's not China's fault. I mean, he had us all fooled. Yeah, I just, I'm just, I mean, say, I'm was, just saying here that a lot, did, you know, did he I give mean, you? Did he give you the details that he would be playing in the parking garage? Don't <laughs> <laughs> no, forget but the parking I'm, garage. Saying, like, his look, own parking let's, garage. Let's just say, like, honestly, as much as I blame myself for a long time, none of us until the end, and it was too late, could have saw it coming. I mean, it was a perfect. I mean, you know what I mean? He no, you know, we, I, I agree. In such a way that there's just, it, it's, you know, it, it, there's just no way. It just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. But so, so to prevent things from like that, I, I, if it's someone that I don't personally know, uh, then I, I'll want to know all the details and not have to make a judgment call. If someone I do personally know that, that I think would never do, you know, roll anyone, then I say, fine, go ahead. So, so in your case, obviously I'll say, fine, go ahead and, and do it. So just, you know, sell the pieces, post all the terms up, uh, on the site, okay. tournament tournament uh, buy-ins are a different story because that's, of course, a lot easier to track. I don't like any cash game baps uh, because there's except online ones where it's easier, to, you know, where you can see. Uh, right. Because then you just have to trust uh, what the person says they won or lost, and boy, you have to have a lot of trust there. Well, for anyone listening uh, that is interested, I may start a um, post. I may not. Just depends. But uh, my Twitter is. At Brandon Gerson, one word, you can find me on Twitter. If anyone is interested, that will be the only event that I will be selling uh, definitely throughout the World Which Series. Which event is it? It's, it's the uh, – I, I don't know the number, but it's I think it's like the second week of June. It's the Omaha 8 or Better 10K World Championship. I see. And Omaha 8 or Better is a game that I've played 
very proficiently and concentrated on the last couple of years. Um, last year, there was only one Omaha tournament I played in. And I finished, I think, I think it was 24th. Yeah, yeah. He, Brandon something. was really rolling in that one. And at the end, I was, uh, I was at the chip leader yeah. with like three and a half tables left. And then, uh, you know, as any limit tournament, I, I took a couple of horrendous beats and you can go from, you know, when the blinds are that high towards the end. I mean, it just, that's how it goes. Uh, and of all people, it was actually Chino Reem that, uh, ended up putting the worst beats on me. Uh, but it was like a field of, uh, like over 800 people. And, uh, you know, that amongst like some other limit mixed games are my best games. But, uh, that's the only thing that I'd potentially be selling. So if anyone is interested in, in discussing any terms or anything, go ahead and tweet at me, PM me. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I already have my schedule and I, uh, already have a business arrangement with just one person. Uh, how, how many I'm, I'm, uh, events are you playing this year? Um, looking at my schedule right now, I mean, it's, it's obviously not going to work out this way, but right now uh, I'll just run through it real fast because a lot of these are going to overlap with day twos and such that I, I obviously plan on making. But um, real fast, event number three, the Omaha 8 or better, the $1,500 event, uh, the Colossus. Um, event number eight, the pot limit Omaha or pot, li- pot limit hold'em, excuse me. Uh, event number eleven, the limit hold'em. Uh, event sixteen B, which is a millionaire maker, fifteen hundred. The thousand dollar turbo, event eighteen. Um, the uh, fifteen hundred dollar horse on June tenth, event twenty four. Thousand dollar PLO on the eleventh, uh, event twenty sixth. Um, the monster stack, fifteen hundred, event twenty eight on the thirteenth. The limit, deuce to seven, fifteen hundred, event thirty three on the fifteenth. The three K horse on the sixteenth, event number thirty five, fifteen hundred PLO on the thirty sixth, the seventeenth, uh, event number thirty nine on the June eighteenth, a ten game mix, that's fifteen hundred. Um, the dealer's choice, that's fifteen hundred, event number fifty two on the twenty fifth of June, the no limit bounty, July first, fifteen hundred, and uh whatever I can't read my writing, whatever event number sixty four is. Uh, is that all? Is there an all-in or fold? No, it's not all-in or fold. Uh, 50-50, you think? Oh, yeah, it's, it's event number, if, any, if anyone in the chat can look, it's I event 64. No, I'd be it's July 2nd. Oh, maybe the it's bounty? A is it a bounty? Yeah, I just WSOP, oh. and I can't even read my okay. writing. You have a pretty busy schedule. That's a big, a big yeah. schedule. But, I mean, a lot of these, like, you know, look, I'm just telling you the dates. The 28th, 30th, 1st, 2nd, 5th, 7th, 9th, 10th, 11th. So a lot of those are going to overlap. I, I do plan on obviously making some day twos. So I won't be playing all those, um, just, you know, depending on, uh, you know, how many days, uh, you know, how many day twos I make, et cetera. Of course, in the meantime, I might take a day off between now and then. I'm also going to play uh, at least twice at the uh, – I won't go to the Venetian. I'm not – I don't play there anymore. Um, so I may – I'm going to play at least probably twice at – the, the Grand Series, which is at the Golden Nugget, because they also have an eight game that the last three years I've, I've finished no worse than third in that tournament. So I want to keep that tradition alive. I'm going to play that because it doesn't conflict with the day I'm playing. And then there's a uh, deuce to seven also at the uh, Golden Nugget I'll be playing. So I, I usually in the past couple of years I've played like two events, one or two events down there, and I've cashed for like five years in a row. So I want to keep that streak alive. And, you know, it's – not a big tournament. It's a one, it's a one day tournament, but it's a long day. It's like usually twelve to about six in the morning, and first place is usually like eight or nine thousand dollars. And you know, the, it's the games that I enjoy and like. Um, so, but yeah, I'm playing a lot this year. I, 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 I 
invigorated and I feel good and uh, I'm refreshed and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I really haven't had a, a summer like this in a number of years where I've played this many events. It's been like five years. Um, but uh, yeah, I I'm, see, I'm excited. I see tons of deep runs in your future this summer. Right. Thanks. I hope so. I appreciate it. Tons um, of deep runs. I, uh, you know, I've already, you know, when I go to sleep at night, the last couple nights, I've just started thinking, you know, strategy as I close my eyes and I'm already envisioning, I mean, not really as much the, the $1,500 Omaha because it is, you know, not really a strategy involved other than just hand selection and, and just, you know, knowing, getting a feel for your table, but more so like the Colossal event and some of those other tournaments, I've already started thinking like the Millionaire Maker Colossal of what my strategy going in is, you know, am I going to try to accumulate chips and gamble really fast and, you know, I mean, I've already decided I'm not grinding it out. You know, I'm not going to try to just outlast the field and, and min cash and not give myself a chance to win. So I think my approach going into it, um, you know, if, if there's a chance to double up or triple up, you know, early on, you know, or, or at, you know, some some part in the first couple levels that does involve, you know, gambling, you know, where I feel like at, at worst I'm a 50-50 coin flip, you know, I think that that's – the way to approach it. Um, you know, you can't just sit there and play ABC poker and, and, you know, wait and wait and wait for hands. And you know, at the same time, you can't just shoot off, but I think playing it aggressively and, and, you know, for the amount of money it costs to buy in, you know, versus reward, I think that's how you have to play it. I mean, it's not as deep as a, the, you know, the main event where you can kind of just sit there and wait for hands and, you know, at least early on. Um, I don't know what's your feeling about what's your approach, Druff? Uh, the for Colossus. the Colossus. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the, with the Colossus, you have to you do have to take some chances. And, and it's easier to take these chances when the buy-in is only $565. And, um, and also, you know, d- depending on what you're used to playing, uh, I think about what a min-cash would be in that. And it's just not very much money to me. And, and that's... Uh, I know you... you you like to say, "Oh, you should play all tournaments the same, regardless of the buy-in." You, you know, but that's, that's just not always true. It's hard. It's easier said than done. But but between that, between the fact that the min cash just isn't going to mean very much, and and the fact that you really do need to build a stack there, and uh, and and not just wait. And something else I thought here is that, um, I, I think coming up with an approach to where you you play some hands that will uh, potentially be able to get your opponents to put in all their money, rather than ones that are that are hard to get people. Like like here here's an example. If you if you play Ace King and you don't get it all in before the flop, like so you get you play Ace King, but it's not uh, a whole lot in before the flop. If you flop the Ace, um, how much are you gonna be able to get out of your opponent? If, if they're short stacked or medium stacked, you may be able to get the, to go in with a weaker ace. But uh, in a lot of cases, people are not going to want to uh, you know, go all the way with that if they just have a weaker ace than than, than ace king. So, you know, how much are you going to get post flop out of people? Uh, whereas limit hold them, it's different. They're always calling you down for sure with top pair, no matter no matter what you do. Uh, so, I, I was thinking in tournaments like these, like in the main events, you can just sit around to wait for these you know ideal situations. Right. Uh, here, because you have to. Go a little bit faster. I, I think it's worth it to play hands that will uh, confuse people to where they they're going to feel like they have to they have to put in the money with you. 
Um, I, I, for some reason, this this hand came to mind, and I don't know why. This is an event I cashed in a number of years ago, like one of those fifteen hundred no limits. Uh, I I I min min cash type thing, but that's not really the important part. The important part was I started off immediately by doubling, because someone limped in, and it, it became like a limped pot. And uh, and I had King Deuce offsuit in the in the blind, and the board came King Deuce something. And, uh, and, and anyway, we, uh, I ended up getting it all in on the flop with, with one of the players and, and I think he slow played aces, like he limped in with aces and he slow played it and we, we got it all in and, and, yeah, and I won and doubled up and the guy was all frustrated. I, I thought to myself, well, I should have raised, I wouldn't have been in here. But, but the, the thing was, you're, King Deuce is, is usually you know, a pretty crappy hand because it has so many potentials to be dominated, but at least what was good there is that uh, it, it can surprise people. Is that, but um, where, where the aces will put it in, thinking that you've got some kind of king, and then and they'll lose. Uh, it, it, I, I, well, I, but getting back to what I was saying, though, early on, if you have a 50-50 shot, or at least you feel you have a 50-50 shot, if not better, of, say, tripling up, do you gamble in that spot? Oh, tripling up? Then I would. Uh, if, it's, uh, if it's a 50-50 shot of doubling up, uh, do, do I gamble? It, it depends on the table makeup. If, if I think I can run over the table anyway without taking big chances, then I won't. If I, if I feel like it's a situation. Okay. Where... I mean, well, here's the, okay. Let me give you uh, a, a hand just in theory. So on the flop, you have a pair and the nut flush draw and two stacks, get it all in. Are you going to get it? Are you going to gamble in that spot with your whole stack to triple up? Yes. Okay. Of course. I, I would do the same exact thing. Yeah, I mean, there's no question there. You have to, it, you have a, a, a reasonable shot to, to do things. They're not. Where I, I don't think. What, what I'm not going to do is just um, you know shove it in, hoping to get into races. That that I'm not going to do. I, I, of course, I, you know if, I, if I'm short stacked, then I'm happy to be that spot. But uh, if if I'm not, I, I'm not going to be just hoping to win a ton of races and uh, and, and get through no. that way. I, I think that's <laughs> foolish until you start getting desperate. But I think I think uh, what I'm going to do differently a little bit than than I have in in other tournaments is is I think I'm going to try to uh, play more hands that that can surprise people and that that it can. Uh, uh, can get people to put in against me. Where if, if you play too tight, uh, people will notice this, and th- and then when you get it in, they're go- they're going to not they're not going to want to put their chips in against you unless uh, they've got a very strong hand as well. And and often you find yourself behind or getting no action. And, and in, these, in these small tournaments, uh, that's a problem. So you sit down at a table and you have you know a couple of passive players that are you know, limping, and you have a couple of aggressive players that constantly are opening. What is your approach when you start your tournament? I mean, are you just playing ABC poker to start to get a feel for the table, the first you know level? Yeah, or so? yeah. Uh, for the most part, uh, well, I mean, it you, depends, depends how just... quickly I get the feel. Uh, and uh, what what I would do here is, uh, I mean, it it really depends on my position and the makeup of the table. Uh, if there, if there are passive players that I can just run over and uh, and not have to worry about making real hands and just keep getting them to fold or or having them be so passive sometimes I can backdoor into something that I'd never be able to make uh, then is much less of a reason to gamble but uh, uh, you know it, it, a lot of it depends on who I'm up against but but something I'm going to say here is I'm not I'm not showing up with the belief that I'm just going to uh, play it like the main event and just keep folding until I get into really good spots and think I'm really getting my money in good. Right. And and uh, well, 
obviously you can't really do that though in these tournaments, right? Don't you have to accumulate chips because the blinds go up so fast and there's only so many chances you're going to have to get your chips yes, in. Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Right? But you also have to create them for yourself. And, uh, and you know, the one sure. thing that, that, you know, is going to be different in this tournament more so than any other one is because of, you know, the field is so large, uh, depending on, you know, where you're situated in terms of your table, tables are going to be breaking at, at a frantic rate. So, you know, I mean, you know, depending on where you are, but you can be in a position where on the first day, you know, you could be moved two, three times. And, you know, I mean, when you, if you're, you're you know, thinking about that many players. So, um, I mean, I remember, uh, I don't know what it was. It was like a thousand. I was one of the, the, the year where they had the first thousand dollar event and it had so many people. And I remember, um, within the first four hours, I had moved five different times. And, you know, so that's the other thing. It's not, I don't think, in most cases, you're going to be able to sit there and, you know, oh, yeah, I got a great table. And, you know, and, and if you do, you're really going to have to capitalize it, you know, as, as fast and as efficiently as you can. Um, you know you know what I mean? Because you're just not going to be with the same people. I mean, when you have 20-something thousand players, even though I know there's four different flights, you're still you're going to be moving. Yeah. I mean, you are. It's just, and it's, I, I, so here's something else to, something to consider. Let's say you cash. Okay, not only is the cash not very big. But it's going to move up so slowly from there. Yes, people are going to bust fast at the beginning when the bubble hits, but but it's going to move up so slowly as far as the additional money you're going to make. Yeah, it's going to take a very long time, both time wise and people wise, that have to drop out before you really get to good money. This isn't like a, a smaller tournament where uh, if if you just hold on and watch a few people drop off ahead of you you can significantly move up in money you know when they're paying 18 spots i mean you can literally play for 3 days and profit $2000 yes yes so that's what you i'm trying to say here three full days and make 2000 bucks minus your buy in you know 1500 bucks yes yeah so that's what i'm saying here is that this is different in that you're not going to want to just survive in this for that reason too because you're you're just you're not going to get it even if you make it very what looks like very deep but you 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 survive past a very high percentage of the field you can still come away with with crap like i i was talking about this on another forum where someone was asking what's the difference between this and a uh, a smaller field tournament i said well if you're playing a 200 player tournament and you beat 99 percent of the field you're going to be in second place and you're going to make good money if you play this one and beat 99 percent of the field you're going to get crap so, I mean, you're going to get some money, but it's not going to be anything impressive. So uh, what I'm trying to say here is that you really have to make it very deep here to start making big money. So you have to constantly be aware that you want you know, about your stack and, and, and what the average is and, uh, and have it keep rising along with that and not be afraid to do that. Because even if you make it to the min cash and then say, okay, well, I'll start shipping it in now that I've min cashed, like everybody says and does, uh, you still have to, you still have to double up so many times to get a stack big enough to where you'll be able to compete to make it really, really deep. So this, this one, because of the immense field, I think it's very important that, that you try to keep up a, a, a pretty good stack most of the way. Otherwise, you, there's just uh, I think there's just too small of a chance that you'll get there because of the very high percentage that you have to beat of this field. Whereas in smaller field tournaments, you don't have to to come up with a good payout. So what's what's uh, 
I, mean, I, I, I don't think it really will matter that people are listening and it would cause any sort of uh, ramifications in how you play. But uh, in the early stages, what's like? What would you just kind of give people an idea? What's your opening range? Like in, in I'd say like mid late position. Like what are you opening with? In, in mid to late position, I'll, pr- I'll probably well. It depends before the blinds and uh, before the antes and after the antes. Uh, once the antes come, I'm t- yeah, I'm talking like the first two, three oh, levels. First two levels, the okay. First couple of levels. What's your opening range? You know, I, unfortunately, I, I can't really say this because it depends on a few things. It depends on um, for, you're not getting much by stealing the blinds there. That's the first thing. So actually, being being tight at the beginning isn't that bad. Uh, because stealing the blinds is not getting you that much. Uh, you know, the, the blinds are twenty five fifty. You steal them. Okay, you've got seventy five. Great. What what have you done here? Okay, so, so so I'll make it. I'll make it more simplistic. You're one or two off the button. What's your range in terms of pocket pairs that you're opening with? I mean, you're not opening with deuces, are you? Like early in a tournament to steal the blinds. Oh no, I I, I will. The the I think the this I think opening with any pocket pair is good because you, you'll get most of the people. If you flop a set, okay, you'll get most of the people to put in. If they've got a top pair or something, you'll get a lot of people to put in their money. Especially if they get top pair or two pairs. The set the set in these tournaments is huge because you can uh, often get people to shove it all in, uh, and and then you're you've got them drawing dead or super thin. Uh, so that's why I'm not worried about. It. Now, yes, you can you can have the frustrating situation of set over set. But if that happens, that happens. It's not very common. If if it happens, oh well. It just you were just weren't in the. It's just bad luck. Yeah, it's just bad luck. <laughs> uh, and uh, the, of course, the the bigger problem is with deuces. You know, if, if they don't hit the set, and if your opponent hit anything, they're ahead of you. But uh, at least they're easier to get away from. And, and limit hold them. It can be a little frustrating with those hands because you 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 open deuces and limit hold them. You get three bet. And then the board comes uh, a low board, you know, nine seven four. You don't know if you're ahead or behind. You don't know if they've got ace king, ace queen, ace jack, and you know, and, and you're ahead. and You don't want to give it up. But at the same time, if they've got a uh, pair, you're screwed. And it's it's hard sometimes to bring yourself to fold that, especially in a cash game when you've got the deuces there. You kind of want to call it down and see are they, see are they going to show you ace king, ace queen? Uh, in, in no limit, this is and easier. The worst thing is when like they bet because you, you, you feel like you're ahead. You just call. You bet the turn. It's still a low board. You call, and then like the river comes a seven. They bet. You know, you still call, and they show like a seven. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Early, I was ahead to the river. Like in, you know. Yes, yes. Those are the most frustrating. <laughs> yeah, they, they are frustrating. I just had one of those on Bodog. A few of those on Bodog last night. It, it, it drives you crazy. I know. So, so um, the. The, the other thing that's a killer limit holding is when you flop top set and then they call you down with like the with like pocket deuces with with the two of spades and four spades end up on the board and you lose. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's the worst too. But but anyway, back to this this tournament. Uh, the good thing with those small pocket pairs, in my opinion at least, is that they're easy to get away from if you don't have a set. If you get, if you get any pressure, or you get a lot of calling of you, then you say, okay, I give up. I'm not I'm not continuing. You don't have to you don't have to play sheriff with those hands. So. I, I, I'm going to open with all pairs there for sure. And uh, um, something I think I'm not going to do, though, is if, if I – and this is, this is hard sometimes as a limit hold'em player. As a limit hold'em player, a lot of times you'll flop top pair. What do you want to do? You want to check raise. But uh, I, I don't think that's correct here. In fact, I, I got some criticism for when I was describing some hands I played in no limit tournaments that I was check raising too much and that uh, check raising is stronger in no limit than it is in limit. And uh, that you you have to uh, 
you have to watch out when you do it. We're in, in limit. There's so many check raises that it, it means nothing. So, yeah. Uh, that's so correct. yeah, that's that's what. Uh, like I, I think I'm gonna the, the hands that are good and not great. I think I'll play I, some of them. I'll play more passively. Not try not to you know, give away as many chips or. Uh, risk too much on those, and especially out of position. The uh, but I, I, I'm going to try to be aggressive. Try to get in situations where, you know, I have hands that they don't see coming. Uh, even things like the deuces, just things that they will put their money in, and I'll be ones really likely to put a lot of money in where I'm ahead. And uh, and also I have to take chances. I can't I can't sit and wait for the ideal spot. Of course, you'd love to flop a set when you know you'd love to have the pocket sevens and the board comes ace seven four, and uh, and be ready for the ace king to be against you and double up. But you you may not have that chance, and uh, you, you've got to keep going. You got to take some take some shots, and you got to just keep in mind what am I doing here? Am I am I here just to make a min cash? Is is min cashing you know seven hundred dollars when I bought in for five sixty five whatever it is even a thousand dollars? Am I here to make five hundred dollars profit or am I here to uh, to try to hit some big money on this? And I know for me it's a ladder. And and for me I can I can walk away saying okay I lost five hundred sixty five dollars I'm I'm not going to walk away all depressed like I've just lost uh, you know invested a large sum of money to play this where you know the main event it's it's harder to do the main event it's harder to walk away and say ah ten thousand dollars who cares like uh, you know ten thousand dollars is a lot of money. It's sometimes a little hard to lose that, but losing five hundred sixty-five dollars, if if you've got a good bankroll, that that shouldn't be much at all. And then it's easier to play with some confidence, and it's easier to play with a with the attitude like I I want to win, I want to accumulate chips, not not be stupid, not be reckless, but but also not be scared or have to you know worry about uh, am I wasting my chance here, sort of thing. So. Uh, yeah, now China. I know I asked you last. No, no, he's week, gone. I, he, he left. Oh, China's already gone. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. About, uh, I, I don't the announce trade, when they trader. Trader, are you with us? Trader. He's with us in in, uh, in telephone. I see the number not, on the. Yeah, I know. He, he's with us in telephone, but, but I think not in, in spirit. I think he fell asleep. I think he probably fell asleep. Is he on the East Coast? No, no, he's in the West Coast. He's in LA. Hmm. Kind of host is this trader? <laughs> Traitor! I, I could do I I could do something really mean, but it'll just hurt the listeners. I I, I could put on this really really loud tone that uh, Chinese woman curling. Jesus. Oh no, it's worse than this. There's this there's this phone number. Um, you you can if you want to call the phone number on your own people, uh, try area code three one zero. Four one four zero 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 two. I assume this still works. And it is known as a loop line, and it is one of the loudest tones that can be over the phone. I would suggest you don't put your ear right up to the phone, but that thing is loud and it's high pitched. And I used to use this. Uh, I, I'm actually thinking back. I'm surprised I did this, but when I would be talking to girls on the phone and they'd fall asleep on me, I'd say, "Hello, you still there? You fall asleep? Hello?" And then I start pressing buttons like touch tones on the phone. If they still don't wake up. I go, all right, I guess I got to bring out the big guns, and I would three-way on that loop tone. That's funny. And, boy, it would wake them up. I mean, that was the loudest thing. That was the loudest thing. It's also a good thing to put on, like, if people are pranking you and you have time to, like, three-way it on before they hang up. If someone has their ear to the phone, it's it's awful to hear. It's, it's like, the loudest thing. So 310-414-0002. 
the uh, I, I think it still works. What, what is it again? Hold on, I'm going to put it on my phone. I'm, I'm going to try it on my cell phone right now. Is it, uh, what is it? The 310-414-0002. I'll see if it still works. If it's not, I have a few others that I think. Any I toll charges apply or anything? No, no, it's just a regular long-distance call. Let's see if it works. Yeah, here yeah, here right, we go. It, it works. It's a... That's it. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, imagine having your ear up. I'm serious, guys. Try this after the show. Try calling that number. And, and don't put your ear right up to the phone, but you'll hear how loud it is. How do you put, know this? Put your like, ears to, I, I know all these crazy phone things. So, like, it, it, it was actually very useful for these things. It really wakes people up if they fall asleep on the phone. So I, I've utilized it many times for many purposes. I, I even had it before when uh, I was on a party line and uh, there, there was, I don't know, something was happening, two people I didn't like. <laughs> What the hell is this? What is that? Is that the time a, in, in, in Florida? That's a, yeah, it's a number in Miami that gives you like a commercial and it tells you the time and the weather. And it's that's kind of like, crappy. I mean, we, we, we had that time number, but we didn't have to listen to a commercial. Yeah, in California. Um, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I, I'm, you know, I, I didn't expect to be on this long. Ugh. The... You coming out here tomorrow, buddy, or Friday? No, no Friday. Friday. Okay, let's see here. Ooh, uh, so you're going to be in that Vegas traffic? That no, LA no, no. Traffic? I have, I have ways. I have my ways around that. There's, there's only one road. Uh, that's what you think. Is there really another way to get here without I-15? Uh, well, what do you do? No, once you get past the border, there's not. But uh, that's not usually the problem over there. The, the the trouble spots I have ways around. No, but I'm saying once you get on 15, leaving L.A. Oh no, I, you, you you have no idea how many routes I can go to get around it. I I'm, I thought I, there's only one way in, one way out. No, nope. like, nope. So what road do you take? Is that secret too? You can't tell. No, us? you can go all over. That. It's not secret. Either. There's, there's depends where the drive backs up. I even had to back up before. You know, like the total middle of nowhere uh, between like Baker and and the state line. Uh, I've had it severely back up there, and I've gone around it. You you can there's there's roads that go around in in some places. You're so there's screwed. other ways to get from L.A. to Vegas besides 15. You have to be on 15 for some points, but there are also some points where you don't. So, yes, for some portions, if you happen to hit traffic, you're screwed. But but other points you can get around it. Like, like, for example, when you get into Barstow, if if it backs up there, there's a way around it. And, and you'll end up back on 15 around the traffic. You, I, I look at my map of the traffic, and, and if there's bad traffic, I, I have ways around it. And uh, um, there's only a few spots there that I, I can't get around it in some way. So I'm, I'm not worried. And I, including L.A., I have ways to get around it, too. So I have that all covered. I can, I can leave any time on Friday and, and get there in reasonable time. It's amazing. Yeah. I also have a way – check this out. I can drive to – I posted this in the – Druff secret forum, which anybody can access with uh, password. Uh, is it secret location? I think so. It, it, it says they're right in the forum. The password's only to keep Google out. But yeah. uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the there's a, I, I came up with a way to go into Dodger Stadium with zero stadium traffic. Yeah, no matter how sold out the game is, even during the playoffs, you can just breeze right in. 
It's amazing. Yeah, I, like it, a superhero of of sorts. I I, I just I I can't. Uh, I, I I hate doing things the standard way, which everybody else does, and then you end up uh, you end up feeling like a chump. So I I, I I try to find ways around these problems. Okay, so let's see here. We we've done the WSP topics. We've done the Vanessa Russo, Amanda Leatherman. We've done the Anna yeah. Kate. We've done the uh, the poker player from Finland. Done uh, Ivan Devidoff. We got uh, oh, there's only one thing left. Okay. WSP.com and 88.com <laughs> in, in New Jersey have have the the worst month ever. They they actually have not done worse since they opened. Until you know, May of 2015 has been their worst month, right? Sorry, I think it was April. I think May's since May's not done yet. April it was whatever it was. The last month that they tracked was the worst month. So, uh, and this was data they submitted to the state of New Jersey. So it's clear that it's it's real. And uh, now it's it's not all the sites in New Jersey that are struggling that badly. I guess Borgata's Party Poker is doing fine. But uh, WSOP.com has been a, a fail site there, and it, it's just getting worse. And uh, so that's – they're not sure what to do there. And they, they're losing a lot of money on this, WSOP.com, by the way. It's, it's been a complete fail. When you say losing money, you mean just they're in the red? Yeah, overall, they're in the red, yes. But how much – I mean, why? What is it? I mean, I'm just saying what is the, over, what is the overhead? The overhead is uh, advertising, um, staff, uh, what, what they have to pay to eight, for 888 uh, to support it, uh, the software licensing. You know, they're, they're, they're not using their own software. Do, this is a. Do you think if they declare bankruptcy, they'll say that WSOP.com is in bankruptcy except for the 510 <laughs> Potlum and Omaha tables? <laughs> and like the, the three six no limit, everything else is like the Augustus Tower. I, I did get a confirmation though that uh, a while ago, I, mean, I haven't heard it recently, but a while ago, and I haven't seen the traffic improve much that uh, that they were losing money on on WSP.com and that uh, it was a big fail compared to what they were expecting to get. That it was uh, they were thinking it was going to blow up huge. That everyone was just chomping at the bit to play legalized online poker, and that the second they opened, it would just be flooded with people who just including many that were never playing on sites like poker stars because they weren't legal and instead it's just not only is it a fail site but they're actually running behind sites like bodog because those sites can serve everyone oh yeah bodog is crushing that yeah i bet you go on now and there's a thousand people playing well yeah bodog i think has like 10 times their traffic it's like really embarrassed it's not even close it literally is like 10 times their traffic so so they're getting just crushed by bodog and are you going to load some money on uh, WSOP when you're here and play? And uh, probably I can see not. You at the limit table, and we could laugh at each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably. I, I don't even see any limit games ever going. I don't think they even go anymore. No, they don't. It, it's it's a wow. fail site. It's it's a fail site. It's uh. Well, I mean, I it's I don't think it's their. I mean, maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's not. I don't. Know, it's but, partially their. Fault. I've, I've talked about this here before. Just, my, there's not. There's not population i mean there's just not enough people here that, that yeah. live here that are you know well, in just... nevada that's true in, in new jersey they you have more people but uh 
Melissa Burr wrote a good article about this, just saying that they they just aren't even marketing it right. Like here they like in the poker rooms, they don't even have signs in their own poker rooms that are associated with it. The live poker rooms, like trying to direct people over to the online site, like they don't they try to just act like it doesn't exist, almost like they're competing with their own site, and uh, they're just not getting the message across properly that they even exist. And, uh, and I've said they don't do their promotions right. They they do their promotions as if they're like a poker stars and don't gear it towards what they are. And like, for, for example, the whole VIP pro, uh, program is flawed because it, it's, it, you know, the poker stars VIP program, which is really the model that everyone else is copying and has been for a long time. That, that program encourages you to like continuously play every month. And if you don't, you lose your status. And so this way it stops people from wanting to take breaks. Uh, the problem with a site like this is that uh, people who are visiting the site from out of the state from out of the area, they can't play every month. So it gets very frustrating to build up a status and lose it next time you come back. And they don't, they don't have a remedy to this on, 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 on these legalized sites. And, and, and they also, I, I think they, a lot of the promotions and stuff they have, I just don't think it's bringing in a lot of new business or you know, if it is, it's not, Getting them the bang for the buck that they're spending. I think, I think if they did things like rewarded table starters, like they gave the table starters a hundred percent rake back or things like that to try to get people to get games going, I, I think then things would do a lot better. Something I noticed about poker sites is that if a game is running, just even with heads up, the chance of the game getting more people is much much higher. Than if there's one person sitting alone, or especially if there's nobody sitting, it's, it's a huge thing. And it's not the same live. Live, if there's two people playing heads up, a lot of people are intimidated by that and won't sit. But but uh, online, you'll get a lot of people willing to sit in a heads up game and make it three handed, and then then the next person will sit and it'll be four handed, and it grows from there. I mean, I see it all the time. Uh, I I used to do this on on absolute poker when I, I would get games going, uh, you know, before the scandal, of course. And eventually I got a game going with the Grey Cat, which wasn't good. But I would get games going where otherwise they would not have gone if I hadn't started them. I used to joke on there that they should be paying me because I was almost like a prop there. But uh, that – it was definitely true that uh, if you make an effort to get games started, they'll start and they'll get going. And if you don't, then they won't on, on a site that's not as active. So they, they don't give any kind of incentive like that. So their promotions are kind of dumb and they're kind of a waste of money. Sometimes they'll have like a, a rake race or something or, or, or some kind of deposit bonus. I mean, people like these things, but it's not, it's not doing much. It's not innovative. It's not, it's not going to really increase traffic. What you want – poker sites, the, the whole point is uh, games have to be running for people to want to play. Most fish don't want to sit there alone and wait. And, and they usually also don't want – a lot of times they don't want to sit with someone sitting alone. You, you Fish want to sit in games that exist already and are running already. And you need to incentivize people to do that or even pay props. But you, you have to do something. And if you don't, which they haven't been, it becomes a fail site. And, yeah, if you, if you have a gigantic pool of players, sure. But they don't. Anyway, so yeah. I, it sounds like you're done here. So I'm exhausted, buddy. I can't imagine oh, yeah. why. It's only uh, three in the morning. Jesus. Well, uh, let's see. How long did we go this time? Uh, we had seven and a half hours only. <laughs> this is becoming like a full-time job. Jesus. 
see. You work harder than the Leatherman Joshua do. <laughs> a lot harder. I mean, we're really we we go a lot more hours. We're really here. We. Uh, I haven't taken a single break. I haven't gone to the bathroom. I, I know you've washed your hands, but I haven't even done that. Yes. Uh, you know, it's uh, we'll be back. Uh, I'll be back. I don't know about Brandon, but I'll be back on uh, on June first, six days from now, at, from the Rio. I'll be broadcasting from the Rio. June first. Yeah, June first uh, and Monday. So what happens if you're still in that Colossus? Then I won't be here. Yeah. Then I won't be. But I'm, I'm, I'm. Engaging in negative thinking. You know, some people would say I'm going to be unavailable June 1st because I'll be on my way to the final table. I'm saying no, I'll be busted and I'll be here on June 1st. So I'll see you guys then. And uh, you know, I can I can especially be this negative because I have 100 percent of myself in that event, so I'm not hurting anyone but myself if I bust from it. Anyway, people, uh, I'm looking forward to the World Series. Are you, Brandon? Yeah, I'm, I'm very very excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it too. I'm I'm really looking forward to sitting down and playing and. Uh, Sure, I'll have some frustrating moments, and there will be the usual Rio fail. The Colossus will be a big mess, and uh, I will report on all of it. You know I will. I'll even take relevant pictures if I need to, like I did last year, and post them up. I'm never afraid to say these things. You know, that's. Uh, I know you're not either. Just, just report what we see, what we do here. And tell no, you what we Do we, we finally think. lose that trader ski, or is he still on the, um, he's on the line? <laughs> no, no, we lost him. No, it's, it's on Skype. He's... Oh, no, I guess that's... No, he's cool. gone. He's gone. We lost him. He just hit his face at the pillow. But he, he was a trooper. He hung out there. Thank you, Trader Ski. So, well, June 1st at 6.30, not 7, 6.30 p.m. from the Rio will be the next time we're on here on Monday. Thank you for hanging out with us for uh, seven and a half hours in this uh, monster show where we did very little except talk to an empty... Another. We talked to an empty room the whole time. Good night, everybody, and... Shalom. Shalom.